Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and preparing my top 10 list this year is only slightly more agonizing than recording a normal podcast episode. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. My top 10 list is really just the top 10 things that kept me sane last year. That's really all it is. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I don't have any expectation that this podcast is going to be in anybody's top 10. I'm just hoping for an honorable mention. <laughs> welcome, welcome, everyone. Of course, those are all a reference to the fact that on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be counting down our top 10 films of 2021. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is probably going to be our most listened to episode this year. It's also the episode where we put in the most work yeah. out of any episode this year. Most pure so, hours. <laughs> pure hours of white knuckling watching things. <laughs> yeah, just pour it into my eyeballs, baby. Yes, yes. It, it's, uh, yeah. It, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this year, I, I looked back at last year, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I feel like I had more films that I wanted to put in my top 10 this year and didn't have room yes. for. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. All the movies I, that got moved from last year are basically this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I've been seeing a lot of people saying like, oh yeah, 2021 wasn't a great year for film. Uh, and I wholeheartedly, vehemently disagree with that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I had a whole thing planned. Like before I started working on my list, as I was thinking about the show, I was going to be like, you know, the thing I want to say on the podcast is that, you know, this is a, this is the film cast and we're here talking about movies, but there was nothing this year that rivaled Midnight Mass I was gonna and say, yeah. Succession mm -hmm. and like, like TV. And then I started making my list and I went, that's not really true. Not true. <laughs> yep. been also, some great movies. We went back to the theater this year. You yeah. Know? Like that, that was pretty momentous. Yeah. At least for a while. Seemed like yeah. things were going good. Yeah. Well, more to say about kind of the construction of our list in a moment. But yes, we're going to be counting down our top 10 movies of 2021. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us slash filmcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, sign up for ad-free episodes and or exclusive After Darks by going to patreon.com slash film podcast. Now, I want to explain a few things about how this episode is going to run. Um, first of all, we're going to use the main episode to count down our top 10 movies. Um, and then in the After Dark, we're going to be going through special categories, things like honorable mentions, uh, biggest disappointments, movies we didn't get, movies they didn't get, and other categories that I ripped off from the Film Spotting SVU podcast. Uh, so that's going to be the after RIP. Yeah, RIP. Just to say that. Uh, yeah. Um, love that podcast. Now, uh, typically, the After Darks are available only to patrons at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Occasionally, we'll make a, a stray After Dark available on the main feed. This is an episode too big to not make available on the main feed. So uh, we will be making the After Dark available uh, on the main feed with all the special categories and stuff like that. Uh, patrons will have access to it earlier than everyone else, but everyone's going to get the episode this week. Thanks and maybe to, it'll yeah. incentivize some folks to become patrons. Yes. If you want to hear that episode a couple days earlier, patreon.com slash film podcast. The other, the other big thing we're doing in that after dark, which I'm really looking forward to is our most anticipated films of 2022. Indeed. A lot yeah. to discuss, a lot to discuss. Uh, I want to also mention that, uh, as we count down our top 10 films of the year, we will probably give away the premise of each of the films that we discuss. So we're going to say the title of the film. We're going to say where it falls on a list. 
and we will probably reveal the premise. So if you don't want to know the premise, you may want to skip ahead after we say the title of the film. But I think the purpose, one of the purposes of this episode is to tell you about all the cool films you should be watching or should have watched. And one way to do that is by telling you about the movie itself. So I do just want to warn folks, we will likely give away the premise of each film. Uh, and we're also going to do something a little bit different this year uh, and start with uh, stories of the year. You know, talk about the year in review. Talk about the ma major things that happened this year. And uh, and so this is like a, a thing that I, I kind of ripped off slash borrowed from Jeff's DLC podcast. Wait, what? Um, How dare you? you? Have this I don't know if you know this, Jeff. You have this segment on your show called Story of the Week. And actually, mm. recently you converted it to a Story of the Year uh, segment. Yeah, so, for the end of the year episode. Yeah, we do every year. We talk about the biggest stories in video games every year at, at yeah. 5x5.tv slash DLC. Great uh, episode of the podcast. And so, yeah, we'll, we're going to be reviewing our stories of the year. But let's talk about one story of the week, which is, Jeff, last week on the podcast, you had a uh, fairly lengthy discussion about oh a kidney stone that you had. Yeah, no, great way to start the most listened to episode of the year, Dave. <laughs> great way. Everybody uh, <laughs> hanging on every word we're, we're talking about with regard to my kidney stone issue. I just uh, feel it would be derelict uh, of, of duties to not yeah. at least explain what happened there. So I got to say, I, I've mentioned this before, but I got to say, there is definitely a part of me that really hates how often I have to talk about health issues. I just, I, I lived so many years of my life as just a hearty, hale, healthy guy and never had health issues. And now all of a sudden in my forties, it's like every week, you guys, I have to talk about some stupid thing that's going on. Anyway, we I hate that I'm getting the reputation. This, yeah. I, be, I get into the reputation of being the, the guy with the things. You know what I'm saying? And it, it bumps me out. Anyway, uh, I passed the stone, y'all. I passed the stone. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, and I have to report, now, I was very fortunate. The stone was small. It was a three millimeter stone. Just small. Uh, and I have to report that the the process of passing it, though I was terrified of it and 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 you know just really <laughs> anticipating agony because the the process of discovering i had a kidney mm -hmm, stone as mm -hmm. i outlined last week was agon agony um <laughs> it, it, compared to the agony of the discovery of it the passing of it was was a breeze great uh, so i'm very fortunate uh in that regard because i've heard people tell horror stories of passing them as well so so everybody can rest easy now. <laughs> they know. <laughs> now but, you know where that stone is in relation to Jeff's body. Yeah. And it and, is out of his body. Well, so. and the crazy thing too, I mean, I this is all TMI. We're in TMI territory. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um no, no question. Yeah, but I, you know, I had to urinate into a into a uh a strainer. Strainer, yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh the yeah, the only reason I knew that I passed it is because I saw it in the strainer. I was like, oh but there it is. Uh, and I, which was great because I thought it was going to be agony. Every, every pee was a, as a, you know, a horror show. I was like, Oh God, is it going to be now? I, I didn't know. It's full of, full of anxiety. But, uh, but now that I've got it in the strainer, now I have to like bring it to the doctor to analyze, which I have not done yet because of the holidays. Uh, so I just have this strainer with a kidney stone in it. Uh, <laughs> Got it. Is, it. is that the end of the story? or That's, that's the end of the story. Got it. All right. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for yeah. that, Jeff. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, I mean, it was a great way to spend the holidays. As I've been saying to everybody, <laughs> I must have been bad last year 
mm-hmm. because Santa gave me coal in my penis. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that joke. Um, okay. So Again, most listened to episode of the year. <laughs> You're welcome. Sign for more stuff like that. Sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash filmcast. Film, Film podcast. podcast. Okay. Uh, let's get to story of the year. I'm going to do a little riff on your your, your jingle, Jeff. Uh, story of the year. <laughs> it's the story of the year. Story of the year. It's the story of the year. Something pretty good. Like that, right? pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So story of the year. A uh, lot of stuff happened this year. Um, yeah. I would actually say a great article running down some of the biggest stories of the year um, is uh, at uh, theplaylist.net. Uh, they had an article called The Biggest Entertainment Stories of 2021. Really good rundown of all the huge stuff that happened in 2021, of which there was a lot. <laughs> so for today's episode of the podcast, we each chose a story that we believed represented the biggest story of the year. And I'll go first. Uh, my story of the year is Project Popcorn, a.k.a. Warner Media's experiment to put... Uh, Movies on HBO Max the same day as they were out in theaters. Uh, It's easy to forget how big of a deal this was when it was announced, right? Like, for years, studios have been wanting to play with the theatrical window, right? There was a time when I think it was Universal that wanted to sell you tickets to Tower Heist at your home for $50 to $60. Yep. They wanted Mm -hmm. you to pay $50 to $60 to watch Tower Heist when it was out in theaters. I thought Tower Heist was all right. I mean, it's not sixty dollars. You paid right. fifty dollars to no, watch Tower no, Heist at no, your house. But, uh, no, but, uh, <laughs> you, you you bring it up like Tower Heist is this terrible movie. Uh, it, was, it was entertaining. It was, Eddie Murphy was great. We we went from movie theaters strenuously objecting to even the hint, the whiff of Tower Heist in your home the same day it's out in theaters to all year we were getting huge blockbusters available on HBO Max day and day it was out in theaters. It. You know, as a as somebody who loves the theatrical film going industry, I was horrified. As somebody who loves convenience <laughs> and seeing movies at home, I was overjoyed. Well, and, do yeah. you love the industry or do you love the experience? Because those are two very very different things about theatrical movie going. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The industry. Uh, I I I play the world's tiniest violin for the industry because, like, <laughs> as we were going back to theaters. All I could see on the front doors of all my theaters were masks are optional. You walk in here, you know, the pandemic is optional. It's fine. Just come on in. Please buy some popcorn. So, yeah. Well, beyond, yeah, beyond that, that really uh, beyond that, I think it's fair to say that AMC's stock had a pretty good year overall. <laughs> and they did, as far as I can tell, they've done virtually nothing. To improve the theatrical film going experience. Yeah. Right? Like, nothing, no, no, nothing no. At all. You are overlooking the hiring <laughs> of one. Uh, what's her name? Nicole Kidman. Oscar Nicole winner. Kidman. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I can ruin that. Of Nicole Kidman to make a new pre roll. That's right. Yeah. The hiring yeah. of Nicole Kidman. Actually, I'm changing sure. my story nothing, of the year. David. Not nothing. <laughs> I'm changing my story of the year. It's that new pre roll on the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Project Popcorn. Uh, so this was just incredible. We could see movies like Godzilla versus Kong, The Matrix Resurrections, Dune, the same day at home. Now, uh, so from a consumer's perspective, it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. just like, wow, this is incredible. And for me personally, it made HBO Max into an absolute must-have service. Right? There's no chance I'm going to go without HBO Max this year. How short a time ago it was that HBO Max <laughs> launched and everyone made fun of it and thought it was yeah. pathetic. 
Yeah. I, I was now, covering the launch and they didn't know, like they didn't know how to launch. It, it was kind of a shit show when yeah. it came to like them organizing and telling us like, what, what are you going to have on your service? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, this you year know, they have the biggest movies uh, mm-hmm. that came out this year. Plus. And shows. And shows. Plus amazing shows. shows too. So it, they went from like, basically, in my opinion, a joke from a brand perspective to a must have streaming service now yeah i put that, it i, yeah, I say uh, netflix hbo max that's that's the list like yes. i think mm, uh, amazon mm. prime has fallen to three for me even well, more so I than mean, disney plus Interesting. we all already have yeah. amazon prime oh right, yeah Jeff, disney, so. disney plus i think disney plus is three but yeah we all already have it like amazon disney plus prime. will never go away because uh, at least if you have kids it's it's there you're always right. going to have it yeah it's i mean essential. disney plus gets yeah. played more in my house than anything else that's exactly. Oh, interesting. exactly yeah so but that's because bluey <laughs> so, so that's our opinion I, I don't know that the uh, movie going public felt exactly the same way uh, according to AT&T filings HBO Max plus HBO combined global subscribers in Q3 of 2020 was 57 million in Q3 of 2021 69.4 million that is huh. not amazing it's growth it's more it's, it's that's more. a pretty good jump sure <laughs> it's more but I think that people probably expected something like a bigger pop than that you know mm-hmm. what i mean Get, based on how much they were giving up in terms of the theatrical window yeah. um for these uh these movies for but comparison by the way netflix wasn't... has 214 million subscribers worldwide that's so. more that's more <laughs> so a little bit more so, a little uh, more. so yeah yeah but Go i ahead, also Jeff. think i mean it wasn't just like this gamble of oh we're giving up the theatrical window it was amidst this other you know people not knowing if people were going to come to theaters sure, sure. at all or if it, it was, was definitely even... it was definitely a gamble it yes. was it, it is the equivalent of warner brothers uh warner brothers order 66 they're like <laughs> the theaters the theaters are weak they are weak let's just kill them it's, and, it's uh, i mean it is yeah. true that basically for the longest time um the studios and theaters have been negotiating about the theatrical window and then when covid hit the theatrical uh, film, the sort of the exhibitors, their hand, their mm-hmm. poker hand got a lot weaker, right? They, they, they basically didn't have that many cards left to play. And so they had to yeah. accept kind of whatever uh, was dictated by the studios. Now, the thing about Warner Brothers, as you're pointing out, guys, is that it was actually a benefit to theaters to actually have a pipeline at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like many uh, studios like Paramount being a big example pushed a ton of their movies back. At least Warner Brothers committed to putting these movies out in theaters. Right? Theater and streaming. Yeah. And I mean, right, to yeah. others. Yeah. Uh, Matrix Resurrections just passed $100 million at the at the theater, you know, which is kind of surprising to me because you can just watch it at home. Yeah. Uh, worldwide, I think, is what you're talking about. Right? Yeah. Mm. But still. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent the success of Matrix Resurrections, which at the end of the day, domestically will probably make less money than 47 Ronin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you that uh, these movies can make money in the, like have made money in theaters. Um, and some people actually think that the experiment was not a success because these movies could have made more monies if, uh, if they sure. hadn't put them on HBO max. Right. And so, uh, it, it definitely is a, is a mixed bag all around in terms of, uh, growing the HBO max subscriber base in terms of maximizing revenue for Warner brothers, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like feeding the theatrical film going industry. It's like, it's a mixed bag, but yeah. Yeah. As a consumer, it felt like a glimpse of the future where like there is no window and well, you can just it, access anything all the time. They were really only doing what's good for Warner brothers. Right. Because like when people are asking them, so, uh, 2022, huh? What you, what you guys doing? And, uh, they're like, 
Uh, you know, that was a temporary thing. Yes. I don't think we need to do this again. Um, let's go back to the way things were. Did you guys miss theaters? Like, it, it is really all whatever is self-serving to them, right. of course. Like, that's kind of the- kind of awkward. Kind of awkward, yeah. right? Yeah. But yes, um, as you indicate, uh, Devendra, Warner Brothers will abide by a 45-day exclusive window in 2022. So they're back, baby. They're back. Yeah. And I'm sure the... You know, exhibitors are going to be super thrilled to have them back after all that time. So, anyway, uh, we will see what happens. But you gotta, you gotta hand it to him. You gotta hand it to him. They shattered the theatrical window in 2021, and it was interesting. It was at the very least interesting. Okay, that's my story of the year, Jeff Kanata. Your story of the year. Well, kind of piggybacks on yours yeah. Uh, yeah, because so. uh, you know this uh, this article that you referenced uh, pointed out that. One of the big trends that we saw in the in the theatrical experience is how there really isn't movies made that aren't four quadrant movies, or at least the movies that were released for very specific audiences seem to have tanked, specifically yes. older audiences. Movies yes. like West Side Story, The Last Duel, King Richard, more mature sort of... Uh, you could say Oscar bait. You could say, you know, whatever those those terms are that indicate that people who aren't teenagers go to these movies. <laughs> Vir- virtually every single movie that was adult skewing that didn't feature superheroes, virtually every single movie struggled to crack $20 million of the box office, mm-hmm. which is now, terrifying, I will say. Terrifying. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I My take on this is... Yes, it is uh, a very bad signifier for the the trends and the kinds of movies that are going to be made and released theatrically. I mean, thankfully, we have places like Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime and, and places where some of these filmmakers are going, like Martin Scorsese and you know others that are going to these places simply to be able to make those kinds of films again and, and get them out. Uh, they're not going to to you know the traditional studios and and traditional uh, theatrical release windows. But I also think this, all of these stories are inextricably tied to the story of COVID and the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? The same type of people who are much less likely to just go to the movies in the midst of a pandemic are the people who, A, watch the news, care about this stuff, think about their health, think about their well being. And are also probably the most at risk for this particular pandemic, right? Yeah. So here you have this perfect storm of, you know, sort of trend, cultural trend of, uh, of, of the kinds of movies that people get excited about and go out to the movies to see. But also it's informed by the risk and the people who are less likely to accept that kind of risk. Mm -hmm. So also it's accelerating a trend, right? Because those were the types of movies that people were. It wasn't just mainstream audiences. I think a lot of like regular adult audiences who would typically go for like a drama or a mid-budget thriller or something were still not going to the theater even before the pandemic. So it, yeah, it was it was happening. a trend that was already in motion but was yeah. accelerated. I think yeah mm-hmm. by by the pandemic. Um, yeah, but yeah, th- those people basically are streaming uh, movies and TV shows instead. You know, they're just mm-hmm. staying home. Yeah. Uh, older adult audiences they are by and large not turning out to the theater. Yeah, but I don't think that. As I said, I really don't think that is just one factor. It's not just, oh, 
people don't want these kinds of movies anymore or aren't willing to come out for these kinds of movies. I think it's, they aren't willing to come out for these kinds of movies in the midst of this particular climate. So I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is a forever problem. My, the, the worry is the studios will think it's a forever problem and we'll just stop making those movies. Right, and right. the only silver lining there, as I said, is that there are the Netflixes of the world that are still funding these kinds of films. And honestly, the only other saving grace is, frankly, things like the Academy Awards, right? It's still a, a level of prestige that these studios want to have uh, movies that garner awards. So they make movies that are for adults because those are the movies that tend to be awarded. Mm. But at the same time, the Academy Awards, I feel like is fading in its relevance as well, you Mm -hmm. know, hitting like record low viewership numbers. So it is, but I don't think the event itself, I don't think the fact that you, you can market a movie as being an Academy Award winning film has lost its luster as much as the televised event has lost its luster. I think that's right. I think that's right. But yeah, what I, I don't disagree with you, Jeff. I think there's a variety of factors, you know? So many um, factors. It's COVID. Yeah. It's also the fact that like streaming movies and output has improved over time. Like you can now watch like big budget prestige movies at home, Project mm-hmm. Popcorn being part of it, Netflix funding movies like Don't Look Up and other big movies as part of it. You and know? also so, all, the, all the miniseries coming, I think, are, are the things that typically would have been done in yes. kind of like a prestige adult yeah, movie too. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so I, many I mean, things. you look at something like Station Eleven, right? Which in any other era would have been a single film. It would have mm-hmm. been one film that would have been right. this book. You know, yeah. they would have adapted it as a film. And and now you have the, this prestige, you know, series. And I think that you're seeing that a lot with these novels that are being turned into, you know, series or even limited series that, that are just six episodes, 10 episodes, whatever. Um, it's a it's a new world. And I, I can't say as a viewer, I don't prefer it. Yeah. I think in, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a superior experience. So as much as I mourn the loss of certain kinds of films and i know that i am the enemy to some because i like the big popcorn movies a lot Mm -hmm. you know i enjoy the marvel movies i enjoy superhero stuff and i i all i do mourn the fact that they are ubiquitous and they seem to be edging out everything else i don't think it is all lost, right? I think we still have avenues to to see these kinds of things. Clearly, our top 10 lists are going to be full of movies that would fit in that sort of adult category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, I, they're, I, they're yeah. you know, they're being made, right? I don't share your optimism, you know? Uh, and <laughs> well, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like in a reverse situation, <laughs> like, I feel like when this whole thing kicked off, when COVID kicked off, you were the one that was more negative on like the prospects for movie theaters. Mm-hmm. I today, was, yeah. Uh, today, you know, I've been doing these Twitter spaces with Scott Mendelson that I post on my personal Patreon page every Sunday. And we every week we gather together and we look at what the top five movies are at the box office. And every week it is freaking depressing. Yeah. It is like yeah. this big, <laughs> you know, this medium budget adult skewing film didn't crack five million. Nightmare Alley made three point six million dollars. It's Guys, when I went to see Spider-Man, full parking lot. When I went to see Nightmare Alley, completely full parking lot at like 11 p.m. Friday night. Just me in Nightmare (laughs) Alley. It is. So I I feel like uh, my narrative, Jeff, is not like, I I think what you're describing is like, oh, we're, uh, 
we're in a parabola. Like it's it's going down, but it's going to bounce back. For me, yeah. I feel like we're in a transitional period mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to when it will be like permanently like people are not. It, going, it was sloping like, downwards, and now yeah. the arc and now has like, like a, accelerated. Exactly. And I don't think there's anything bringing it back. Like yeah, that is that's, the big. I, I completely big agree with Devinger on this one. Yeah. yeah. So I, by the way, I, I, mm-hmm. I, yep. I will just say. Yep. Again, you are absolutely right that I was Mr. Pessimism when yeah. it came. I thought I thought this was the death knell for movie oh, theaters. Man. We're going to get another Kanata prediction yep. well, uh, of the future. Yeah, yep. let's do it. Let's do it. I, I just, I do think that if there is a future, and there may not be one, there very well may not be <laughs> one. But true. if it's true, if I there don't is know. a future where we are free from the general anxiety of a pandemic, if there are, you know, if if we conquer these <laughs> these infinite variance and there there is a situation where it is legitimately back to the way it was to walk into a movie theater sans mask and be feel safe i think adults still want to have that experience i do i think adults still want to see movies made for them is there data for this? That's my question. <laughs> well, I don't all, think that all... it's possible to get data for this. I think well, the, the no, data for this, the data the for thing, this, the, the box office data before the pandemic was trending down yeah. and going it, pretty badly. Like that's was. my point. Number yeah. of tickets sold was going down despite exploding U.S. population. You know. Anyway, but anyway, look. Anyway. let's. We don't. We don't need to argue about it now. It's a. It's a prediction that Jeff Kanata has made. We'll see if it bears. <laughs> I, I want to believe. I just want to. I just want to make one more distinction. One more. One more quick distinction because I think you guys are focusing way more on the see a movie in the movie theater experience. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I think this story is about how like these kinds of movies are going to go away. And I, my, my, my point is that I think adults still want to see this stuff mm-hmm. and whether it's in movie theaters or not in movie theaters is debatable. Oh, it may still be I, the I death like for movie theater. That, well, that's the point I've been trying to make. No, that's the point I've been trying to make. I think that adults still want to see these movies. And, and, and like I said, they're still being made by places like Netflix. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, this story is like, they aren't going to make these movies anymore because they don't make money. And I think that's not going to be the case. Yeah, they're going to be different things. Actually, while we're on this topic, I do want to say uh, RIP Jean-Marc Vallée, who mm. I, I think has, with sharp objects and with big little eyes, has really like cemented that thing. You know, the big like adult uh, storytelling series. Um, I, I don't know if people have watched Sharp Objects as much as Big Little Lies, but hey, he yeah. was great, and we're going to see more stuff like that. Away like, recently, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break uh, and thank a sponsor, and we'll be right back with more. But yeah, th- those are uh, mine and Jeff's biggest stories: Project Popcorn, as well as the dwindling audience for uh, adult skewing films right now. Hey, I want to tell you about our sponsor, The Last Movie Ever Made, the Don't Look Up podcast. Now, imagine you're a filmmaker shooting a comedy about the end of the world, and all around you, it feels like the world really is ending. What do you do? That's the story of The Last Movie Ever Made, the official podcast about the making of Don't Look Up, the new film now on Netflix. It documents what happened when Adam McKay brought hundreds of cast and crew to Boston to make a movie in the middle of a pandemic. And not just any cast. We're talking Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Tyler Perry, Jonah Hill, Timothee Chalamet, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Kid Cudi, and Ariana Grande. By day, they were making a satire about societal collapse. By night... They were isolated in hotel rooms, watching society collapse on the nightly news and recording their reactions in real time. It's 
the last movie ever made. The first two episodes are out January 7th on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The last movie ever made. The Don't Look Up podcast. All right. Uh, before we move on, uh, Jeff, I do just want to make sure do you, do you feel like you were able to, to convey your points yeah, uh, yeah, there. Yeah. Or I, I, I would say that, yes, I, I would agree with you that Netflix is always going to, you know, Hulu and your Amazons are going to continue to fund adult skewing films. Like, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind for that. But it is it's going to be less than before because you, there's not a healthy ecosystem in theaters for those movies, right? So, right. yes, they'll still make movies like Don't Look Up or Red Notice or Triple Frontier or whatever the heck, but they're not going to make 50 of them. You know, they can't make 50 of them. And in a time when, like, you know, the vast majority of them or even some, some a significant portion of them will be profitable in theaters, you, you just can't make the same amount. So I agree they'll still exist, mm-hmm. but it's going to be less because they're not making money in theaters anymore. Yeah. yeah. Also, like that's, fewer. That's what's said? Yeah. Fewer thing. Fewer uh, companies in charge, basically. Right. It's going being filtered through what these handful of companies want, rather than a lot more studios. You know. Yeah. So anyway, um, I mean, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Jeff. I mean, the the mm-hmm. other the other side of this that we haven't really talked about too is like the tone of these kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we're living in a time where I, I think everybody's fucking depressed. You know, mm-hmm. which is, which, which is it, I think that the, the part of like, let's go out and see a Spider-Man movie yeah. is let's I, not I wonder think why about the last duel. You exactly. Know, <laughs> tanked. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's let's think about rape for two and a half hours, mm-hmm. you know, like that. That's, you know, it, it, it it's it's not for nothing. Right. I think mm-hmm. I think these these kinds of movies are important. And it's it, I've always loved the art form because it is it you know shows humanity in all its forms. But I think the period that we're living through right now can't be discounted and, and I don't think will be forever. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point too, because remember at the beginning of this thing, we were wondering like, how would uh, movies and TV shows, how would media engage with COVID? And in mm-hmm. general, they aren't right. Like in ge- like, <laughs> I would don't. say the yeah, vast majority yeah. of the movies on my list, I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't think any single one of my movies acknowledges that COVID happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them were made during COVID. Right. So I think that, uh, it seems to be something we want to move past, I guess, is what I'm saying with my, with my art. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I feel like with our art, we as a society are saying we don't really want to engage with this topic. Let's move no past more. it. No more. So I think there's something yeah. to what you're saying, Jeff, there. Yeah. Anyway, those are mine and Jeff's story of the year. Devinder Hardor, what's your story of the year? My big story is uh, Squid Game and everything that happened around Squid Game on Netflix. Now, guys, I am old enough to remember <laughs> when... Uh, little movie called battle royale you know was <laughs> was just like was talked about in hushed tones right it, it, it was too raw for america you had to like buy uh or download it well, you had uh, to tor- you one had to torrent not that i would know anything about that yeah but one had to you torrent had to torrent or other like even it was yeah. like kaza era that was like early <laughs> early file i remember sharing. somebody bringing it into i think it was my dorm room somebody uh-huh. brought it into exactly. my dorm room on a exactly cassette <laughs> it's one of, it's one of those things well no i i i ordered i remember ordering like a region free dvd from japan in like 2000 uh, like the year after it came out so it's like i I was all in on that and then netflix started and netflix um netflix streaming started right and all of a sudden battle royale became something that everybody could just watch at the click of a button and it was very very popular and that like shift in culture 
it just felt like whiplash to me. Like here's this little thing, very culty. Now uh, you put it in front of everybody and they just want all of it. And I feel like Squid Games is the ultimate example of that. It is a really interesting, super violent, um, you know, basically like post-apocalyptic or like semi very recent apocalypse. Like it is something that ha- is happening in the near future that is directly related to us. It is sci-fi. Um, it is extreme in ways that, you know, American television really isn't. And people ate it up. And I just found that really fascinating too. Um, well, it's also you know, a vindication mm-hmm. of Netflix's strategy, which is yeah. Netflix decided we're going to invest money into translating this movie into a bunch of different languages, dubbing and subtitles, dubbing and, sub- and making it, it available it. in hundreds of countries simultaneously. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, they, that is a deliberate decision that is very expensive. And they are like, we believe that we can make a show from... Uh, Mexico or India or mm-hmm. France or South Korea, popular in the United States and vice versa. And they take and a they huge bet on it. And they can. They, they, yeah. it, is, it is the flex. It is the power of Netflix. Yes. I think the number is 1.65 billion viewing hours in the first four weeks. Incredible. Is that a Since Netflix? We, it's a Netflix. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you, you've just ruined the whole episode, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's You're also, it's, it's that rare, like, you know, hyper-violent culty thing that is also, like, pretty critically adored. Like, uh, it was well-reviewed. The audience loves it. Uh, you know, people are actually checking it out, too. Like, it's getting good draw. It's, like, a win-win-win for everybody. And culturally, that is a rare thing to happen. It's also, like, not just, like, some surface-level trash. Like, it is wrestling with capitalism and our relationship to it and how we are trapped by it. And I love all those things. And I love that this crazy, you know, little hyper-violent Korean show became the biggest thing in the world and kind of still is. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I think if you look at like Netflix's top shows, many of them are non-American shows. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Uh, you got shows like uh, Lupin. Yeah. Um, Money as Heist. Well as, I keep meaning to uh, watch Money, Money Heist. Heist. Yeah, 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 I really want to watch that. And it's just like, you know, Devendra, speaking of like needing to download Battle Royale and Kazaa, like I remember a time when you'd need to beg, borrow, and steal to get anyone to watch anything with subtitles. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. It, it was impossible. Like, people were allergic to it. They're like, this is um, commercially toxic to have, like, subtitles on your thing. Meanwhile, we've just had Parasite win Best Picture last mm-hmm. year. And now these international shows are doing gangbusters on Netflix. Although I, I would love to know the uh, the breakdown of, like, who's watching it dubbed, who's watching right, sub, yeah. like, what are audiences you know, actually I don't, going for. I don't hold yeah. any grudge against people who yeah, watch whatever. it dubbed. You know, like, whatever, whatever works for you. And so it, it, we now do really live in this world where uh, shows can transcend boundaries. And Squid Game is, like, a primary example of that. And mm-hmm. I got to say, I, I kind of am very encouraged. It's one of the nice things. Uh, that has resulted from the streaming era. Many mm-hmm. terrible things have happened because of streaming. This is one of the nice things, you know? And I think um, I-, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's big. It's original. It's it's interesting. Like, it's smart. Like, there there are so many good things here. But it's yeah, nice go ahead. Like, in the sense of, like, the good guys actually murder. winning in the sense of, mm-hmm. like, you know, the good show actually did well, you know? And that's yeah. nice. All right, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. I just said it's nice. It's nice that we can watch hundreds of people murdered. For sure, <laughs> it's true. And may, maybe it's we true. can think about uh, our relationship to it and what capitalism do, does to us. Or you know, guys, we could just spend millions of dollars recreating the games for fun. So that would be, <laughs> we could also do that. We could completely we could miss that. the point. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Okay, those are some of our. Uh, our those are our stories of the year. 
but I, I should point out a lot of stuff happened in 2021. I'll just read the headlines from this playlist article because I think it's a pretty good summary. Um, IATSE uh, makes history with its uh, uh, sort of uh, new new contract. Discovery and Warner Media merged. I think this was the year where like AT and T got out of uh, the whole Warner Brothers thing, which is like a huge disaster. No oh, man. Spider Man yeah. uh, made a billion dollars. Now one of the most successful films of all time. Scarlett Johansson sued Disney in a uh, sort of case that was going to set the precedent for future talent relations in the streaming era. Uh, and, you know, many studios are now going to probably write into their contracts like, hey, by the way, we reserve the right to put this on streaming at any time because mm-hmm. it's going to help the bottom line. <laughs> um, there was the Jeopardy host drama with that guy who gave himself the job <laughs> uh, and then it backfired spectacularly. Uh, Amazon acquired MGM for $8.45 billion. Uh, Alec Baldwin and the Rust shooting. Oof. And um, also, uh, what else? Zack Snyder's Justice League released, Paramount Plus launched, and uh, Dave Chappelle's Netflix special, The Closer, and the ensuing fallout from that. So those are some of the other big stories of the year. A lot happened in 2021. Um, and what better time to talk about it than when it's over and nobody cares anymore? That's what this episode. That's what this episode's all about. Okay, we have our finger on the pulse, and it's flatlining. <laughs> okay, so let's get to our lists, our top ten films of the year. Now, I have to tell you guys, we've been doing this podcast for thirteen years, fourteen years. Jeff, many, you've been with years. us for a little bit less than that time. Um. This is the hardest list I've ever had to make. I it's rough, say. yeah. I, I don't know why I, I was so in agony over this list. I and had a really think, hard time too, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. th- here's here's one re- here's one reason. Here's one reason. Okay, why it was tough. Because I knew that this would be like a relatively popular episode, and I also feel like having done podcasting for over a decade, <laughs> I kind of know what makes for a good episode. Oh, are, right? are like, you building what, the list for the audience or for you? You know, well, yeah. okay. So I, this, this is the thing is like, yeah, I was like, okay, here's the list that like, I, I feel truest in my heart mm-hmm. represents the things I love my year. What I think the year of cinema was. That's one version of my list. And another version of the list has more things that I know you guys have watched. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, it's more interesting when you guys have watched it because we can like have discussions about it. You can we can react and be like, Ooh, oh, sure, interesting. Sure. And then we can have like a nice little little discussion mm-hmm. after each each choice. You know, I will say um, I will, we we do that every other week for the rest of the year. You know, <laughs> like that that is what we've been watching. So I I do take my list to be like if I find something else that we have not discussed at all and you guys haven't seen, I I would love to highlight that. That that yeah. gives a kind of a push for me. Yeah. Well, I will say that the majority of my list, more than half of my list. Is movies we did not do main reviews for. I was going to bring up the same thing. I have literally yeah. two out of 10 that we. Oh my gosh, same. I Jeff, do two... we have the same list? Did you? <laughs> Eyes on your own paper, Chen. Um, uh, no, no. I, I was going to bring this up at the end of the episode after we revealed our lists. But yeah, I, I found that to be. I, I wonder if that's a problem. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the the movies that we think are the best of the year, two out of the eight we had as main reviews. That's <laughs> well, well. It's also it's also those movies. I should say are the only movies. Uh, only one out of those two movies in, on my list 
made over ten million dollars of the box. Office. Well, I don't care. You know about what I mean? That. So like, all, all of my movies, like the vast majority of my movies, are movies that are like really small. You no, know, that, like, mean, that means you're a hipster, Dave. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, so yeah, this was this year. I I, I was more tortured than any other year. I will also say I marathoned a bunch of movies this week mm-hmm. to do it. And I do think it's saying something that at the end of all that, I was like, at last I get to take a break by watching Station Eleven. And what I mean by that is, like, so many of my movies were, like, incredibly depressing. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. Uh, and I guess that's just the way it is. It's like, you know, um, highly rated prestige dramas, they're often yep. really sad and depressing. And so I would say, like, the vast majority of the movies that are on my list that I watched are like pretty mm-hmm. depressing movies. I saw yeah. you tweeting about uh, mass and I don't know if it's on your list or not, but I know what that movie is. I know it's been out for, you know, it, it's been accessible for a while, but it's also like, I don't know if I need to see mm-hmm. that movie mm-hmm. right now. And it yeah. kind of, you guys wonder why these movies it. made less than $10 million. You know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are the people that should want to see these movies. <laughs> Majority of America is like, yeah, is there another? Sp- How many Spider Men can we put in one movie? <laughs> Give me more Spider Man. I just need yeah. more Spider Man. All right. Any more thoughts, overall thoughts on the list before we get to our, our top 10 films of 2020? No, I want to hear the list. Let's go. All yeah. right. Let's get to our list. Okay. Let's start with number 10. Jeff Kanata, what is your number 10 film of 2021? Are you ready for this, Dave? I'm coming in hot, baby. Oh, my God. What is it? <laughs> Don't look up. Wow. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I'm not even joking, dude. It's hilarious. I don't, I don't think you're, trust me, I don't think you're joking. <laughs> we, uh, we definitely it's have hilarious. to review this it's movie important. now. It's yeah. important. It's this generation's Dr. Strangelove. It's, it's, you know, it's a way to laugh as we ride our own bomb. How bum. dare you? It's dude. It's, How dare you? Okay, it's Doctor Strangelove, dude. Did you like Doctor Strangelove? It's Doctor Strangelove is freaking amazing. Yes, I, I think. How I, dare I think, you mention these two films in the same <laughs> breath? We have to review this now. It's yeah. Mars okay. Attacks. It's you know, it's it's parody. <laughs> that I I totally understand is off putting mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. some because of how broad it is. But I, I mean, I think it has has more in common with Airplane. And naked gun mm-hmm. uh, than you know with a, a normal Leonardo DiCaprio movie, um, and I loved it for that. I mean, it I mm. died laughing, and also it is prescient and important and cogent. Uh, I I loved it. I loved Don't Look Up. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of love that it's so polarizing as well. Um, I I, I, had a great I don't time love with it. the the McKay and the writer response to it on Twitter and whatnot, but yeah, no, yeah. I haven't seen that. Um, but wow. I uh, so I reviewed this movie in Gadget. You guys can go read that too. And I think what really makes it at least worth watching is the ending and where this movie goes because I think it is bleak in a way people don't expect, but is also like very much aligns with where I think we're going because of everything, because of everything in charge of the like because of who runs the world basically. Um, yeah. It is, it's worth watching, you know, and we should review it. All right. That's Don't Look Up, Adam McKay movie on Netflix right now. <laughs> it's Jeff's number 10. I'm going to try to press on with this episode. You just um, recover. Just take a moment. You, yeah, I need to, I, I would go on, except I'm seething with That was rage. like a body blow right at the beginning. 
body blow. My kidneys are really in terrible shape now. Devinder Hardwar, your number 10 film of 2021. My number 10 film is The Harder They Fall. What you think, Big Work? Nah, you wouldn't do that. See, now we'll have to put a bullet in his cranium. We'll never know who the fastest really is now, will we? I gotta hand it to you, boy. You do know how to make a grand entrance. <laughs> Shit, I ain't even rehearsed that one. You know, quick draw, that love is a dead man walking. But you don't have to be. Once you get on your horse, get your shit, and go back to whatever it is you call home. You know that's impossible. I thought this movie was one of the coolest things, you know, I had seen in 2021. And even now, um, you know, and that was how I felt like the first time I watched it. Since then, like, I I cannot stop thinking about this movie. It is directed by James Samuel. It is super cool. Has great dialogue. It is like a revival of the spaghetti western with an all black cast, and I love it. I love everything about it. It is the action's great, uh, the dialogue's great, pretty much perfect casting throughout. Uh, there are lines from this movie that kind of echo throughout my head. Um, you know, when I think of spaghetti westerns, I think of like cool people staring each other down, um, massive gun battles. I think of like slow moments where emotion and drama can really build up. And this movie just has all that along with the kick-ass soundtrack. So I loved it. And I think everybody should check this movie out. It was, bums me out that I didn't manage to fit this one in before we recorded tonight. I, I was on my list of 2C. There's a, a couple of films that I did see instead of this that I wish I hadn't. <laughs> yeah, if uh, you need a palate cleanser from adult cinema, mm. uh, this is this is a good mm. one. Yeah. I feel I feel like uh, maybe some of those movies were ones I recommended to you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, maybe, Dave. <laughs> we shall see. Well, I'm very sorry about that. In any case, that's the harder they fall. It's Devinder's number ten. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. It barely missed my top ten. Mm. It was uh, in in my like I, I made a letterbox list of like my top 20, 30 movies, and it was on there for sure. And I really enjoyed it. It's such a kick ass movie. It's a lot of fun. It's really well done. Check it out. It's The Heart of They Fall. It's on Netflix right now. It's Devendra's number 10. All right. My number 10 movie of the year. Plan B. Plan B. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Plan B is a buddy road trip comedy starring Victoria Morales and Kuhu Verma, directed by Natalie Morales. It's available on Hulu right now. This movie is hilarious. It depicts this friendship at its core that's heartwarming, feels authentic. But it's also one of the few gross-out comedies I've seen that actually has something to say. Mm -hmm. And in a world in which the medical rights of women and minorities are uh, being abridged, I think Plan B, the movie, is super relevant, highly enjoyable. Uh, this is a movie that I think not that many people saw this year. And this is usually, I, I got to be honest, you know, number 10, number 8, number 9, these are usually the, t the, 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 the slots in the list where I like throw mm -hmm. in a little like, yeah, wild go wild, there. go wild a little. Yeah. yeah, go wild, go wild. You know, but I have to say, like most of my list is that this year. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I'm starting it with number ten. It's Plan B. Oh, hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022, why are you still paying insane amount of money every month for wireless? Switch to Mint Mobile. 
It's the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. Wow! I know folks spending over $100 a month for their mobile. <laughs> what? What are you doing? By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. With Mint Mobile, choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data that you never use. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash filmcast. That's mintmobile.com slash filmcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks. Let's get to our number nine films of the year. Uh, Jeff Kanata, what is your number nine film of 2021? It is The French Dispatch. Ooh. The... One of two movies that is on my list that we did a main review of. Uh, this isn't the best Wes Anderson film, but it may be the most Wes Anderson film. <laughs> so true. So and true. I love Wes mm-hmm. Anderson films. Uh, the composition, the stylized narrative, the unabashed love of the written word. All of that is my jam. Uh, and, you know, if this movie was a little bit slimmer, if it, if it just trimmed a little bit of fat, off the edges, I think it would have been even higher on my list. Uh, Maybe if it got just... rid of three to six uh, bookend devices. You know? <laughs> no, I love book the ending more, segments. More bookend more, devices. More. <laughs> Less book, more bookend. That's what I would have needed. <laughs> that's that's Jeff Ganada's uh, Less book, more end. slogan yeah. for Senate. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for me. Less book. Uh, this no, is I, a great. It, this is a great choice, Jeff. I really mm-hmm, enjoyed this. Movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, this it's was a also fairly uh, missed my top ten. Yeah, I just I lo- I love I just fall into these movies. I love how every single bit of the frame is used to some effect, and how everything is so perfect and composed. It's almost like yeah, he's yeah. you know still working in stop motion, but with with live humans. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you feel like you're in good hands watching a yeah, movie like this. Yeah. yeah. I just, you know, there's just, you know, it is a movie. It is a, it is a anthology, a compilation of, of several different stories. And if it had one fewer story, I think it would, it would be even higher on my list. It just, it felt a little bloated uh, in its running length and, and it's, it, you know, it just felt like a lot, but there's so much to like. It definitely earned its place as number nine. All right. Great choice. I really enjoyed this movie as well. A lot of memorable segments in it. A lot of memorable performances. And as you indicate, a lot of memorable tableaus in this movie, you know, like just like visuals that are just arresting and intricate and meticulously prepared. Um, It's a great film. The French Dispatch. It's Jeff's number nine. Devinder Hardor, your number nine film of 2021. Speaking of arresting visuals, my number nine film is The Power of the Dog. I think Jane Campion's return to film is, is something we should all celebrate. Um, I loved all of, you know, I loved what she did with top of the lake. This is a Western, but it's a very different Western than the harder they fall. You know, it is very much a, uh, 
I don't know, a neo-Western because it's looking at the world as uh, the Wild West is ending. It's a fascinating character study about a truly awful human um, and the way he affects everybody around him. To me, this is Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch at his best. And I, I absolutely adored it. Like it's a film I can't stop thinking about too. Um, because of the moments between characters, it's not like a very wordy movie. It's a movie about images and the way people glance at each other and look at each other in simple moments, like people stopping on the road and trying to dance in the middle of the, you know, middle of the road, middle of nowhere. Um, it's a beautiful film and I can't stop thinking about it. So power of the dock. It's a great choice, Devendra, and I know I sound like a broken record, but this also barely missed my top 10. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed this film, and I thought uh, it's very memorable. And there's, you know, the, the structure of this movie is really weird and interesting, as we discuss in our main review of it. Um, but I, I think it's anchored by these just great performances all around, uh, especially Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith-McPhee, um, and gorgeous visuals new zealand standing in for montana i think it is right in mm-hmm. this movie but it feels it feels big everything feels big in that way and the characters themselves feel big to, it feels big too so that is there there's just so much going on here it's a sort of movie that i love to see how people react to each other because it's really just good actors you know sparring against each other in many scenes that's the power of the dog it's on Netflix, Jeff. I assume this wasn't really close to your top ten, based no, on our no. review. Yeah. I don't. I, you know, I, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum, but I, you know, it, it just didn't work for me. I, I thought it was a really interesting movie structurally, and I, I, the, as I said in our main review, the end made the movie for me. Yeah. But I, I didn't particularly enjoy the process of watching it. All right. Uh, as with many movies on my top, t- so that's Avengers number nine, Power of the Dog. As with many movies on my top 10 list, this is a movie that I watched in the last week and kind of worked its way onto the list. And I thought about including it, not including it, but I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I really want this to get out there. My number nine movie of the year is The Card Counter. Wow, you made it to the second dinner break. I must have fired two dozen tournaments before I lasted that long. So I'm in your left. Four tables, so... Should be done tomorrow. How much cards do you play? 40 hands an hour, eight to 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week. Do you do anything else? Like what? Like anything. Go to a park, a concert, a museum. A museum? Yeah, I'll buy you a book on it. It's called Museums for Dummies. No, but seriously, you should do something else. Just for variety. I like playing cards. So there's been a lot of talk about Paul Schrader Mm -hmm. uh, and how he's kind of just taking the same formula and applying it to different settings. It's a good formula. It's like a brooding male, (laughs) deeply troubled, trying to take a young person under his wing, trying to improve their lives. You know, like... Um, that certainly describes like first reformed and other movies mm-hmm. he's made. And while there are a bunch of problems tonally, structurally, plot wise with the card counter, it manages to capture one thing that I think very few people talk about. Mm-hmm. And that is that in the United States, the people who do the most evil in this world constantly get away with it. Um, as we record this episode, Good night, everybody. <laughs> As we record this podcast, we are less than one year out from an assault on the capital of the United States. Mm-hmm. 
Many of the people have gone to jail who were part of that, but not the people yeah. really responsible. The, the minions, it. some have gone to jail, but yeah, yeah. not the people and that, in charge. And that's very much what the card counter is about. And mm. um, it examines like something that happened in America's history that I won't reveal, but like uh, in which you know the people who like were outwardly responsible that everyone saw was responsible uh, went to jail, but not the people really responsible. You guys mm-hmm. remember that movie Sicario? You guys yeah. yeah, I love Sicario, that movie. Right? Great movie, right? And there, yeah. there's this amazing moment where, like, at the beginning of Sicario, there's a big explosion, and like a bunch of people are killed and injured. And they're, you know, Josh Brolin is trying to decide whether he can recruit Emily Blunt to go on this mission. And she says to him, you know, are we gonna are we gonna capture the people responsible for for what happened today? And Josh Brolin says, the people who are really responsible for today, mm. you know, and it's just like that distinction is so important, right? There's the people who are responsible and the people who are really responsible. And I think that a movie like The Card Counter is a reminder of the fact that in the United States, we don't like to deal with our past and we don't like to hold people responsible. Mm. Uh, And you look at any event in the past, um, 9-11 and all the stuff that happened after that, the war on Afghanistan, Iraq, all that's, you know, war on terror, all that stuff. Um, and now, recent, more recently, the assault on the Capitol. And it's like, uh, the people who are really responsible, like, uh, have A, downplayed their involvement, B, like, nothing really terrible has happened to them. In fact, many yeah. of them are probably going to succeed politically based on their support of it. They are actively like, distorting reality yes. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Cruz is still in power. How is that a thing? Anyway, mm. uh, I, I don't want to go off on a rant politically, although I already have done that, but that's what I think the card counter does is it kind of takes our past as America and says, Hey, um, this is gross and ugly and disgusting. And you need to fucking look at this. And, uh, it doesn't really offer that many answers, but it's just kind of like, I I think we as a country need to be reminded of the terrible things that we've been responsible for. And, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, and if that can happen through movies, then I think all the better. So, I'm really sad I didn't get to see this ahead of uh, the top 10, mainly because Oscar Isaac looks so freaking cool in the trailer for this. Like he looks like a Schrader leading man, like the brooding, brooding guy who's had like a dangerous past. Like I just, I I really want to see what's going on with that character. So I cannot wait to see this. I do think he does a good job. Mm -hmm. I do think he does a good job. I will say, I think he's cast a little bit young. Like what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is Mm -hmm. I think his character should be a little older and they tried to like fake this a little bit by giving him gray hair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's, he feels like this guy should be like 10 years older than he is. Um, But I think he does a great job and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I would recommend you check it out. So it's the card counter. It's my number nine film of 2021. All right, let's move on to our number eights. Jeff Kanata, your number eight film of 2021. My number eight film is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Wow. All right. Nice. Nice. This is another movie that would be higher on my list, but for its last act. But I think the first two acts are so gorgeous. It's sumptuous filmmaking. It's a celebration of cinema. It's inventive camera movement, kinetic performances, color and sound creating a lush tapestry it's it's just beautiful it's beautiful it's fun it it sweeps you up into this world of of sound and and it's 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 just i lost myself in this movie uh and it bummed me out that it didn't stick the landing at the end um but it still was one of the best experiences i had 
in a movie theater this year. And obviously fewer experiences in movie theaters, but uh, I did see this in a movie theater and it, it, it just, I forgot I was watching a movie for, a, a, you know, a couple of hours. It was it just, I was inside the, the film and I loved that. I do think that uh, particularly the dream sequences of this film are filmmaking of the highest order, you know, just extremely expertly done. Uh, you're seeing like a master at work and I do think there's a lot to like in Last Night in Soho. So great choice for your number eight, Jeff. Um, Devendra, any thoughts on Last Night in Soho? I think you were a fan, right? Overall? I was a fan. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I can totally see why it's on your list, Jeff. It didn't quite make mine, but I still, I adore that movie and that soundtrack I think is incredible. Devendra, your number eight film of 2021. My number eight movie is Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! This film has dug itself into my brain and I don't think it'll ever get out. You know, uh, what a, Fascinating follow-up to Bridesmaids uh, from Kristen Wiig and uh, Annie Mumello. Um, it is just fully weird and hilarious, and it goes for very strange things, and not all of them work, but I kind of love that it's just a weird comedy that really goes for it. And how great is it to see Jamie Dorton just be an absolute dork? Like, I, his song moment, his big song and dance moment, I think is one of my favorite film moments of 2021. You know, it's been a rough year, guys, but at least we got Jamie Dornan singing and dancing and, uh, you know, doing all sorts of ballet moves and splits on a beach while singing to a seagull. I loved it. Wow. Um, I, I, I was going to say, like, for a second there, I thought you were talking about Belfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, he does the same thing, kind of. If not, He, the does, beach, he but... also has a song and dance. Yeah, yeah. This is the one uh, yeah. in color, though. Yeah, <laughs> then that's the only difference between the two films. Only probably. difference, yeah, yeah, only difference. I I love this movie. Um, when I went on vacation with my family this summer to the beach, I was like, oh, let's find like a fun movie for us all to watch. I put this on, and uh, everybody loved it. You know, because it, it is not it's not like a comedy like you make today. It is so very weird, and I love movies that just feel brave enough to do that. And I I cannot wait to see what Kristen Wiig and Andy Mamello have up next. Uh, Devendra, I am mm -hmm. so happy that you put this on your list. I, I did not have the guts, frankly, to yeah, put it I, on I, mine. You have to have guts. You really. Uh, and I, I, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> pleased that you did. I love this movie with my whole heart. I've watched it multiple times. I put this movie on late at night if I'm feeling mm -hmm. bummed out and it exactly. makes me laugh. It's, it's pure joy. It's pure, pure joy. joy. Yeah. I'm so glad you put this on your list. I wish, I wish I had had the guts. <laughs> or the room, frankly, the room. Yeah, it's the room. The room is the problem. That's Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. It's Devendra's number eight film of 2021. My number eight film of 2021 is Flea. Flea tells the story of a refugee who needs to leave his home country, but it's told almost entirely in animation in order to preserve the anonymity of the subject. Um, this movie is directed by Jonas Por Rasmussen. I, I think the animation is beautifully done, mm -hmm. but the whole thing is just a stirring reminder of the fact that hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people, need to fight for the basic rights that you and I take for granted. Uh, world is, is a bad place, and I feel like it's getting worse. And um, I think a movie like Flea encourages us to have compassion for other people. Uh, it encourages us to empathize. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a perfect example of, of Ebert's idea that movies are empathy machines. Flea is, is a, a great example of that concept. And uh, it encourages us to have compassion for our fellow human. It's obviously something I think we all need more of right mm -hmm. now. And that's one of the reasons why it's my number eight film 
of 2021. Everybody needs to see this movie. I saw it at Sundance. I still can't get it out of my head. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I don't think it's why I, I think it was released in limited theatrical uh, is it earlier streaming? in December. I, I don't I think it it's streaming yet. Huh. I don't think it's streaming yet, but it was it was available in limited theatrical release earlier this month. And um, yeah, I hope people have a chance to uh, to check it out more uh, mm-hmm. once it hits video on demand and gets more widely out there. But yeah, the, the movie is Flea. I hope people have a chance to check it out. Man, my list is a downer so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. comment yeah. on that, too. Uh, yeah. Also, we've been doing this a lot of years. What's the deepest into the top 10 we've ever gotten where no overlap has no happened? No overlaps, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's ever been. We're it's pretty good. through eight and zero overlap. <laughs> Let's see I, how far we can go. Let's see how far yeah. we can go. Yeah. That's Jeff, pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, that's pretty I impressive. Uh, Jeff it, Canada, it speak, you're no, yeah, it speaks to a good year is what I was going to say. Go ahead. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Kanata, your number seven choice of 2021. I have a sneaking suspicion this will be overlapped at some point, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie called Nine Days. Ooh. Which is uh, hard to describe. It is a first-time filmmaker, uh, or film from a first-time filmmaker. Uh, it is gorgeous, and it is it, it features one of the most incredible final scenes of any film you will ever see. It mm-hmm. is a crescendo, a virtuoso performance. Uh, it had me uh, quaking with, uh, just in, in awe of the power and majesty of words. Uh, and it's a movie about sort of what's important in life. Um, I, I, it's so different. I mean, it's technically a science fiction film, but it's it's such an interesting sort of uh, pedestrian view of uh of a very high concept sci-fi uh premise i just thought it was clever i've never seen anything quite like it and also a very very powerful it's called nine days i think it's a great choice jeff Mm -hmm. i love this movie as well and i'd encourage people to check it out this is one of those movies you know i had i had a tweet go semi-viral this weekend this week it was um i i posted the uh sony pictures classic logo on twitter and i said 80% 80% of the time when you see a movie that has his logo in front of it, it's it's a masterpiece and you can't find it on streaming anywhere. <laughs> uh, right, and I think right. that's true. Like, And this is a Sony Pictures classic movie. So it was out in theaters this past summer. Uh, and then it's now on video on demand. You can rent or buy it. Yeah, uh, I, I streamed it. it. That's how I radar. watched it. Yeah. Kind of flew under the radar. I would strongly recommend it. It's nine days. It's Jeff's pick for number seven movie of 2020. And I, I only saw it because of hashtag slash tag. So thanks, mm. folks, for uh, recommending this one to me using our hashtag slash tag. Devinder Hardware, your number seven film of 2021. My number seven film is The Disciple. I saw this film Whoa. recently, and we have not even talked about it. What? Uh, but this movie wow. just really stuck with me. It is, it's about something most people won't care about. And that's classical Indian music. And you know what? I have a clip here so you can hear like what a lot of this movie sounds like. It's a really beautiful meditative film 
um you know about the the art of classical indian music um it, it is a lot it's like very it's very like uh melodic singing almost like uh throat singing in a way um but what this movie is really about is about devoting yourself to something entirely uh really your entire life to it for decades and not being good enough and i found that really really fascinating it's directed by chitanya tamhane um it is sort of like it's sort of like whiplash without even a hint of catharsis you know like <laughs> at least at whiplash you get you get you get like a nod you know you get something after all that work this movie does not even give you that and that's not a real spoiler because that's really the setup of the movie and what it's trying to discuss and i just think it's uh i think it's really fascinating and great First time uh, screen performance from Aditya Modak, who does his own singing here, like he is an actual singer, and conveying somebody who is good but not good enough is a very very hard thing to do. Mm. And I this movie just really strikes it struck me really hard as somebody who's trying to do you know semi creative things or trying to get into certain disciplines, and you know maybe you feel like you're just not good enough to get to a certain level. I think it'll hit creative people especially pretty hard. Um, it is beautiful. The music is beautiful as well. Um, it's fantastic film. So it's the disciple, and it's on Netflix right now. Wow, Devendra, I love this choice because. I did not see it coming at all. Like exactly. this is not left on field. The, all left yeah. field. This is not like on most critics' top ten lists. You know what I mean of the year, and because I've looked at a lot of them in preparation for this episode, and <laughs> that that's uh, the danger too of like preparing this is like okay, well, what did I miss? What did I, and then I got to right. look at the other top tens and it's right. like right. you know, yeah, it's a great it's a great choice. So this is like wow, you you've intrigued me. I'm like ooh, I should check this out. It's easily accessible. It's on Netflix. Easily accessible. You should watch it's the it. disciple. All right, man. Great Nicely choice, done. man. My number seven choice of 2021 is a movie called Mass. Ooh. How do people heal in the wake of a tragedy? That's the question. That <laughs> That's Mass... really what I'm asking myself after your list so far. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know, that's the question that Mass is trying to answer. I'm not even going to say what the tragedy is because I think mm-hmm. that part of the movie is finding out what it is, but. It tells the story of four people who come together in the wake of a tragedy to hash things out. Um, Why is this movie amazing? It has four tour de force performances from character actors doing some of the best work of their lives. Mm -hmm. Actors I love, like tremendous folks. And uh, and it's it's about a tragedy that is, I'll just say, distinctly American. You know, a a type of tragedy that doesn't necessarily occur as frequently in other countries. And I feel like um, the way in which the story is told is so moving because it comes from a place of empathy and compassion. It comes from a place of like, if we understood each other a little bit more, maybe we would hurt less. Hurt in both senses of the term, you know, um, feel ourselves and also hurt other people. And uh, this is one of those movies that just like reduced me to a puddle by the end of it. But it is a downer, guys. It is <laughs> yeah, a downer. It's what you I, come I to Dave's tell. top 10 for is uh, <laughs> a downers, you know? That's what you come for. Well, well, okay. So, I mean, so a little backstory. I um, texted Jeff Kanata. I was like, you know what, Jeff? I think you may want to watch this movie, Mass. I mean, uh, it may be in your top 10 because I feel like this is something yeah. that would, would, Jeff would be interested in. And then yeah. moments after I sent that text, I got a comment on my letterboxed review of Mass that said, like, what a paradox. 
it's a movie that Jeff would be incredibly into, and yet also a movie that would ruin him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I think it's a movie that a lot of people will appreciate, and it will also ruin you. Yeah. You know? Um, but it is extremely well done. And also, like all the other movies so far on my list, it, it is it has a lot to say about like where we are as a country right now, mm-hmm. you know, at this moment mm-hmm. in time, I think. Um, and so that's why it's my number seven movie of the year. It's mass and it is available for rent or buy on video on demand. So my number seven movie. Okay. Let's move on to number six movies of the year. Jeff Kanata, your number six movie of 2021. My number six movie is red rocket. Mm. Wow. I don't want to be here, all right? This is embarrassing. Well, I don't want you, you think here I want to either. show up like this? I got my ass fucking kicked. I just need a place to crash. Why can't you what, be here? Cra- like- what does it look like a hotel? Really? It's like that? Can you get off the property, please? What, 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 why? What are you going to fucking do? Really? What, you're you're not, gonna, oh, you're really, going to call the act- cops? I'll call the cops. Don't, don't no, I'm calling the cops. Ten, nine, eight, seven, faster. I'm technically off the property, so you can't call the cops because I'm on public land respecting your boundaries. Can you keep it down? Can you come over here so I don't have to project my voice, please? Fuck. This is a movie that has stayed with me. It is audacious. It is disturbing, but it is utterly unforgettable. Buoyed by an incredible performance by Simon Rex. I just, I can't get this movie out of my head. And it, it is... There's an energy to it that is unlike anything else. I mean, it's 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 like all of the other movies by this filmmaker. But I mean, you're just sort of inside a world that is so often ignored by popular media, and uh, it feels authentic. It feels real. Uh, it, it 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 it's an excru- it's an excruciating experience, but it is an unforgettable experience. It's a movie like no other. And, uh, you know, like I said, I just, I can't get it out of my head. It's red rocket. I don't disagree, Jeff. And I I feel like my conversation with you about this movie has been like much more, um, edifying, reaffirming for me than like the coverage I'm reading about the movie. You know, Mm. I feel like a lot of the coverage I'm reading is like, this movie's hilarious. It's a blast. And I'm just like, (laughs) Oh, I did not think that. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that it doesn't have humor in it, but it just is more like, I found the entire thing to be extremely upsetting. And I think that it's just been bizarre to read the cover. Like when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, yes, that captures my experience completely. Uh, Or, you know, mostly. And when I read the coverage, I'm like, are we even talking about the same movie? You know what I mean? Like, this is one of those movies where I feel it's just been really, really weird. But Well, I, I mean, I think I, it's a movie yeah. like uh, Wolf of Wall Street or or mm-hmm. Scarface or something where, like, people can read it on the surface level and just go, boy, it's so much fun to live out this sort of id <laughs> of this character, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. the, no, the point is how terrible all this is, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I appreciate all the stuff you have to say about it, and I, I agree with you that, like, it is all those things that you said, and um, and it is a movie that's really upsetting and, and, and does stay with you. So, and, and I, I also agree, by the way, that the main central performance is really well done, you know? Just incredible. Really it, good. I mean, it, it's... Really good. Really it convincing. Hin- the whole movie hinges on it, and it yeah. is... Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's Jeff's number six movie of 2021. It's Red Rocket. Divin your heart or your number six movie of 2021. My number six movie is The French Dispatch. Yay! And here's is this our the first, first yep. overlap on the first list? overlap. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's that pretty is good. That's like that's uh, deep. What, 
13, 14 unique films so far on the, yeah. on the list, right? God love it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everything Jeff said is absolutely true. I love this movie more than I expected. I've been kind of hit or miss on Wes Anderson. I do feel like when I'm locked in to one of his movies, like I'm fully on board. And this is one of those that I couldn't help but love. It's kind of a dream scenario for a journalist. It's a film about, you know, uh, a French like uh, wing of an American magazine it's about people living somewhere that's cool and foreign and having like an America, a very cool editor, like an incredible editor, the dream editor who will let you like do whatever you want and pay you way too much money for it. And uh, <laughs> it's sweet. It's funny and heartbreaking. And I, I think like it really hits that like sense of like melancholy and loss that is also like very much in a lot of Wes Anderson's work, but also a little bit of hopefulness too. like there's humanity here. I love this movie and uh, I could, I could see totally Jeff, like not liking some segments, but uh, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't cut anything. I, I enjoy this whole journey. I wish it was longer. I wish this was, this was like a TV series and every episode was just a new dispatch. From French <laughs> yeah. dispatch you know? mm, that would be great. I feel like that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. I love the craft and everything about it. Definitely worth watching. All right. That's the French dispatch. Great choice. Really enjoy this movie. And as I said, uh, it barely missed my top 10. It's Devendra's number six film of the year. My number six movie, Benedetta. Mm. Nice. I said this during my first discussion of it. I've said it a few times already, and I'll say it again. This movie is like if the director of Robocop made his version of Midnight Mass, <laughs> only it was an erotic thriller starring lesbian nuns. Mm-hmm. But Benedetta offers more than just cheap thrills. <laughs> the sentence that <laughs> makes I no mean, sense. I mean, it's true. To me. It's true. <laughs> but okay. How dare you, Jeff? How dare you? <laughs> What what if Jesus was a sword wielding, you know, <laughs> warrior? It's amazing. Yes. But Benedetta offers more than just cheap thrills. It's about religion as an institution and how people can manipulate institutional power towards their own ends. It's bold, it's original filmmaking, unlike anything else I've seen this year. It is a ride. It's it's like we're half the movie you can't believe that you're seeing this thing cuz <laughs> you probably have never seen it before on screen. And for all those reasons, it's my number six film of the year. I don't think you guys this have any chance to check this out. This is how we learned that no, uh, really Dave has never to. seen lesbian sex before on screen. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there, you, you're literally, that is a no-win scenario responding to that. You just set that. it up. You just set it up. <laughs> it's a no-win scenario for me to respond to that. So. Yep. Uh, I leave it alone. Saw, I saw this movie this week as well. I thought it's fantastic. Oh, so, I yeah. haven't had a chance yet. Yeah. All right. Well, that's my number six movie of 2021. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, NordVPN. Do you use a VPN? You should be using a VPN. Why? Oh, man, there's so many reasons. I use a VPN for a number of reasons. First is, boy, if if you're traveling, and, you know, some of us are traveling around these holidays now, uh, you know, be safe, be careful, but not just your health, which is very important, but also your cybersecurity. Now, you're often, you know, in an airport or a restaurant with public Wi-Fi. You want to be safe. It's smart to use a VPN. Also, hey, if you're listening to this show, you probably like content from all around the world. Well, with NordVPN, you can access content from over 59 different countries just by changing your virtual location with a single click. I have to tell you, I've been very excited because one of my favorite shows, my family's favorite shows, Bluey, is starting its third season in Australia only, not here available here in the United States. Well, I can watch 
Bluey Season 3 by using NordVPN to watch Australia-specific content. Or if I'm outside the U.S., I can still use all of my U.S. streaming services. You can never miss your favorite show because geographic restrictions are no longer an issue. Go right now to nordvpn.com slash filmcast to get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. It's the equivalent to buying a cup of coffee every month and a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. Plus, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee if NordVPN is not for you, so there is no risk. Again, that is NordVPN, N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash filmcast, promo code filmcast for a two-year plan plus one additional month at a huge discount. All right, before we move on, let's do some weekly plugs, guys. Yeah. Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else that we've made. And we thought we'd do that midway through our top 10 of the year. Um, this week, I recorded a culturally relevant episode where I talked about five lessons I've learned from 2021. And uh, if you enjoyed my first five choices on this list, you're really going to enjoy this culturally relevant episode because it's <laughs> equally depressing. Mm. Um, but yeah. I've gotten so much kind feedback about this episode, and uh, I really appreciate it. I think I think there's something that we're like, uh, we're all going through this weird time right now and um sometimes like you wonder if you're the only person thinking you know these thoughts about like what's happening right now like you're like if you're despairing in this certain way or if you're like enthusiastic in a certain way and like you don't hear anyone talking about it and that's what i tried to do in this episode is i tried to like give voice to a lot of my anxieties hopes and fears from the last year um, and so i hope you have a chance to check it out it's culturally relevant it's my five lessons from 2021 episode Jeff Kanata, your uh, weekly plug. I'm going to talk about the dungeon run. Uh, you know, this is my version of creating long form storytelling. I am the dungeon master of a live play tabletop role playing game called the dungeon run. Uh, so I create the world and I create the scenarios and we have five players playing through a story. It, it's like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. It is a fantasy story that I am extremely proud of. And uh, this episode that will be coming out, episode 105, you can jump in anywhere. You don't have to start at the beginning, although it is pretty cool to start at the beginning because a lot of stuff, it's serialized storytelling and a lot of stuff comes back. But uh, I recap the entire show at the beginning of every episode so you can catch right up and jump in at any episode. And episode 105 is going to be a big one. It is, uh, the, the end of the last episode was a cliffhanger where a dragon was descending upon our team and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So check that out, twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. You can also find it as an audio podcast or on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. Devinder Hardwar, your weekly plug? Oh, I wanted to shout out all of my CES 2022 coverage over in Gadget. You can just search my name in Gadget and you'll pop all up there. It is currently Monday night and I have basically been writing nonstop since, uh, since last week, but certainly since Saturday morning. Uh, with all the news and stuff coming out there. So there's stuff from, you know, your favorite tech companies, Intel, Samsung, LG. There's a lot of new tech and a lot of cool new screen tech that maybe we'll talk about at some point because there's another TV format we'll all have to learn about. It's called uh, Quantum Dot OLED. How about that? Mm. Another OLED. 
Don't coming. even get me started on HDMI 2.1A, Devendra. 2.1A. It's another thing. Disaster. Uh, but yeah, Disaster. a lot of coverage this year, even though CES is like, we're not going physically. I'm covering it all remotely, but it is still a super, you know, it's a ton of work. So check out all our coverage and the rest of the stuff going on at Gadget. Honor Devendra's work at CES. Check out his stuff at Engadget. Pray, pray uh, for my soul also. Like, yeah. <laughs> I also want to give a weekly plug for a couple things related to the podcast. First of all, if you want to recommend stuff for us to watch, use hashtag slash tag on Twitter. It's a great great way to recommend stuff and probably has fueled some of the choices on this list this year, as you, as Jeff indicated. Um, if you want to support this podcast, very easy to do that. Go to patreon.com slash film podcast. You can sign up for ad-free episodes or exclusive After Darks. And uh, we never want you to be a patron if it in any way causes you any financial hardship. But if you can do it, we really appreciate it. There's also ways to support us for free, of course. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts or use Spotify's brand spanking new rating podcast feature to leave a star rating for us. It would make a lot of a difference if you guys did either of those things. Apple Podcasts, leave a star rating or Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. So those are our weekly plugs this week, folks. Let's get back into the list. This I'm going to just say so far... This is shaping up to be the most interesting top 10 list we've this probably ever done. This is edge of your seat yes. list yes. episode. It's, yeah. it's wild. It's yes. wild how, yeah. how divergent it is. And we haven't even got to the top fives yet. I know. It's incredible. Okay. Here, I, I think we're going to start to see some convergence now is my mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. That's my guess as well. But we'll see. Jeff Canale, your number five movie of 2021. I had no idea where to put this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In some ways, it hovers over the entire list. Mm. I stuck it here because I don't think I'll ever be able to watch it again. It's called Mass. Ah. Dang, Jeff, it did crack the top 10. (laughs) I want to know what changed. When he was 13, he started going online. He started that gaming profile, that account. They weren't violent games then. Yeah, I know that, but... It, they were fantasy games, like roleplay. Yeah, I know that, but it was still the same account that he used later on, so... I'm just asking what changed. It's very hard to answer. Well, please try. It's not just one thing. Then tell me more than okay, one hey, thing. Hey, Gail, let's not do it like this, okay? Okay. Uh, You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just... We're not interrogating. Then what are you doing? I say that as compassionately as I can. What are we doing? You say you want to heal. We all do. Is this how? In, in some ways, it should be number one. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's the most important movie I watched mm-hmm. all year. Um, but there is no universe where I'll ever be able to see this movie again. I am sorry for inflicting this movie on you. I watched Jeff, it you know? today, Dave. I watched it today. <laughs> oh my Ugh. god! It, it, I have been useless today. <laughs> I yeah. my wife was like, "What's wrong?" <laughs> um, this oh, movie. I, I, I. It's hard for me to even talk about this movie. I have never cried in a movie like this in my life. I. And I cry. I, listeners to the show know that I cry at movies at the drop of a hat. I was, it's, it's not, I'm not proud of this. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I was, I was wailing alone in my room watching this movie. I was wailing, like screaming out to the heavens, 
watching this movie. It is the most difficult film I have ever seen that I've ever seen. The only thing I can compare it to is United 93 mm. or Schindler's List. Um, it sounds like Grave of the Fireflies too. Like another one of those movies I will, I'll never rewatch basically. It, it is yeah. four people in a room. Yeah. It is a movie that takes place in real time. It never cuts away to anything. It is words spoken to people from people. And it is the hardest thing I have ever seen. And it's essential. It's so unfortunate that so few people in this country will see this movie. And I can't even, it's hard for me to even recommend it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is two couples and both sides, both of them are the worst thing I can imagine. They are very different things and both of them are the worst thing I can imagine. And all I've done since the conclusion of this movie is imagine it. And <laughs> it, Dave is right that it is a tour de force of acting. It is beautifully simple. It is people trying to be good, to find goodness, to find healing. And it is the hardest, hardest thing I've ever sat through. I, I, I cannot express to you what the experience of, of watching this movie was. And I, I, no part of me wanted to turn it off. Hmm. I think Mass is, like I said, I put it here at number five because the movies that are above it in my list, I want to watch again. <laughs> you know? Re very reasonable, yeah. And I, I just, I, but a part of me feels like this movie sort of hovers, uh, it's like, doesn't even fair to put it on my list. It, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's more important than that. But I think we were doing the Totally Rad show back when United 93 came out. And I think at the end of the year, I kind of said similar things about United 93 that mm -hmm. I felt like it was a movie that just sort of, it's more than a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how I feel about Mass. I, I, I it, it captures something that's like essential about yes. America. But it right? does it and, in and a the way- the tragedy that we deal with. Yeah. It does mm -hmm. it in a way that is not what you expect. It does it in a, in a it is, it, 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 I mean, it's hard to talk about this movie without revealing the premise, but. I mean, it's called Mass, too. I think it's. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, yeah. I mean, I, when, when the revelation of what that title means hit me, mm -hmm. I. Uh, yeah. You know. I, I'll say it takes its time to yeah. reveal what actually happens. And so that's why, like, we've been trying to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. it does. I do, I do think it's, like, very deliberate in how it's revealing it to you. It does. Sure. Yeah, sure. It, it, absolutely. But, but when you guys say Mass, I think of one thing in America. <laughs> so it, it is, it is literally that. Um, Jeff, but, like I, I cannot 
I, I, I want to check it out too because I do think I want to see like what you guys are talking about here. But I also want to point out like this movie is written, directed by Fran Kranz. Yeah. Yeah. who is an actor from Dollhouse. He was yeah. the nerd in Cabin in the Woods. Like it is it's a very like very strange thing. Oh my to see gosh, it's from, that yeah, guy. It's from that Cabin guy. In the Woods. Yeah. And that's also why I'm like I need to see this because I like Fran Kranz and then I hear that this movie is like an emotional wallop and I'm like god damn. Now I really need to see like what what the nerd from Cabin in the Woods is up to. So I'm <laughs> glad you uh, I'm glad you put it on your list Jeff and I'll definitely check it out too. I, I, it, it's it's a movie we were, I was going to recommend to you too, Divinder, but I just feel like mm-hmm. it checked off so many things that I knew that oh, Jeff no. would be. It, into. it is four people you know? in a room doing a play, basically. Yep. So it's yeah. Jeff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'll say that here's another thing that's weird about it is sometimes when it's that when it's like oh this is a play it's clear that this is just a play mm-hmm. in movie form it never really felt that way to me. And mm-hmm. What I mean no. by that is like it never felt like oh this is just a play to me. It, it felt like. I feel like the way that this is captured, um, the the extremely simple camera movements and blocking, yeah. uh, contribute to its impact. You know, and and in a way that I think is not as possible to achieve with a play. Now, mm. you could see a play version; and it would be very impactful. Of this, you know, but I do think that just some of the simple choices they make in this movie are really impactful and and kind of quote unquote justified as a film. And the casting is so interesting. You know, Reed Burney, who, you know, like people recognize from Succession and, and all kinds of, he always plays, the, you know, the sort of the vice president of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. He's like the vice principal of, you know, the middle school or whatever. Yeah, know? yeah. And he's like a character actor that you would never otherwise think is like particularly interesting. He's one of the leads in this film. He, I mean, I think for me, my money, he's the MVP. Uh, yes. I mean, everybody's amazing in it. Everybody. Yes. I mean, even uh, the, like the, ancillary little bit part people are fantastic in this movie like there's it's about four people but there's like a couple of other people that just like pop in mm-hmm. and they're great too but read bernie like the particular mode that he's in is so incredibly powerful and and like his sort of detached emotional state yeah it, it's 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 an amazing piece of acting. I mean, like it's gobsmacking. Hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I like, I don't know how to talk about this movie because it's like, it's not, it's more than a movie. It, it's, it's mm-hmm. anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm probably, you know, everybody's already skipped forward, but I, I, I think, <laughs> I think masses, so, yeah. like I put it at number five. I didn't know where else to put it. I literally like texted Beatty. It's like, I have to change my list. I'm sorry. <laughs> I ha- this has to go on, and you know, Dave, you said you got to watch this, and so I I did, and it, it it belongs on it belongs on this list. It sort of feels like it belongs closer to the top, but like also, I don't I don't know I don't know I, I will never not have this movie in my body. Like it, this yeah. movie is a part of me now. Well, Jeff, thank you for watching it. Thank you for sharing your reaction. Um, we appreciate it. And I think um, I'll just say also that it's purifying to watch this movie. <laughs> you know, like it feels like, you know, I, I cried my eyes out watching this movie as well. And there's just something about kind of like wa- watching a film like this. It, it, it's very cathartic in some ways. I, I don't know. That's that's all I can say about it right now. But um, I, it obviously made a huge impact on me as well. So uh I'm glad you found it worthy of inclusion. The movie is Mass, 
and it is Jeff's number five, five movie of 2021. All right, Devendra. Yeah, follow, follow that yeah, up. follow that. Hey, can, we, can we have a barb and star, please? <laughs> <laughs> Devendra Hardar, what's your number five movie of 2021? My number five movie is Pig. Ooh. This year, we got a Nicolas Cage movie. Um, I, I was so excited for Prisoners of the Ghost Land, a Nicolas Cage movie uh, directed by the great Japanese director, Sion Sono. I expected like craziness and wildness and Cage just like in full on insanity. And that movie's fine. Like I had a lot of fun with it. He is wearing an Elvis suit and doing like Elvis Kung Fu in that movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty fun. At one point, his uh, one of his testicles gets blown up and he has to do like a little <laughs> dance because it really hurts. Um <laughs> This is not this is not the yeah. movie that made your list. This is this is not. This is that's another movie. <laughs> then then out of nowhere, this film comes and just completely floors me because it's like the direct opposite of that. It is Nicolas Cage in a restrained and like monkish mode. Like he is he's not doing the bonkers anything. He is holding it all in. Uh it's basically like a John Wick re- revenge premise turned on its head, but instead of like shooting and fighting like the the weapon is empathy for people who treat him badly the people who stole his pig um i love this movie i think about this movie daily um you know i I feel like it's almost cliche at this point for people to like bring up the restaurant scene in this movie because it's just like on everybody's top 10 scenes of the of the year lists um but that seems fantastic but also everything is good i love the slow build up to this uh and nicholas cage just like as the person he's playing here is just so broken and beaten down and like done with the world. And I also feel like uh, in 2021, I think a lot of us felt this way, you know, and there's like that one thing, that one thing that will kind of push us over the edge if it happens. And then the question is like, how do you respond to that? And the way this movie concludes, the journey this film goes on, I think is just so unique and so fascinating and just beautiful. So I, I try to get everybody I know to see this movie because it's never what they'll expect it to be. That's Pig. It's a great choice, Devendra. Pig is Devendra's number five movie of the year. My number five movie of the year is Drive My Car. Nice. Uh, by Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Drive My Car is about grief, loss, and moving on. But it's also about how art has the ability to connect people and bring people together. It's about how people brought together by unpredictable circumstances can form beautiful friendships. And it's about how Chekhov will just freaking wreck you, man. <laughs> I talked with um, Stephen Tobolowsky about this film. <laughs> and uh, he said he performed, he's performed Chekhov before. And the problem with Chekhov is that if your life in any way mirrors what happens in the play, it will destroy you. Yeah, But Chekhov wrote comedies. Mm. According, according <laughs> to him, he seemed really funny. Indeed, yeah. no, he, he always he always yeah, called yeah, them yeah. comedies. I know. I try not to speak for all of us in general, guys, but I think that as the three of us have gotten through middle age, you know, uh, the challenges that are brought up in this movie are some things that we can relate to. Um, we're we're starting to approach like closer to the end of our lives than the beginning of it, and you start to kind of reflect on like how you spent that time and. That's stuff that this movie, I think, is deeply interested in, concerned mm-hmm. with, and mm-hmm. wants to bring out, and how that is related to the art that we make. Um, so I really appreciated this movie. It's three hours long. It was in limited release a couple weeks ago, um, and it'll probably be on video on demand soon. Um, many people are rating it in their top 10 movies of the year. I think it certainly deserves a place on mine. That's why Drive My Car 
is my number five film of 2021. So. Yeah, it didn't make my list, but I'm very glad I watched it. And it is it is something special. It is a very, very interesting movie. I, I found it a little overlong and uh, indulgent in that regard. But man, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't harsh anybody for putting it on their list. I think it is really a special, interesting film for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the way that it renders Chekhov is really, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you will not see anything else like it, I think. So, you also right, get to see a little uh, Beckett early on. You get some Beckett <laughs> yeah, it's and true. Chekhov. It's yeah. true, yeah. All right, number four. Jeff Kanata, your number four film of 2021. All right. A 180-degree turn from my last one. <laughs> uh, my number four film is Werewolves Within. Wow. Oh, wow. Dang. Okay, no, I wanted to see this. I didn't have a chance to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard it's great. I loved so- it. I loved it. And I, I, this movie had to make my top five. I mean, it is... Uh, there. Ha- I just felt like there had to be a movie in my top five that's just, like, joyous to watch, you know? And I thought about Barb and Star. I thought about Barb and Star. But... Um, <laughs> You know, Werewolves Within, I think, is it just so unexpected. This is a movie based on a video game. Not just any video game, a VR video game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any business being as fun and good and well-written and clever as it is. Uh, but it is all those things. It is super satisfying. Uh, I, one of my favorite movies of all time is Clue. This feels like Clue for a new generation in a lot of ways, or a new millennium. Um, werewolves within tons of fun, super underrated. Nobody, I, I know it, it really is talking about it. I hope folks listening to this will give it a chance. I, I would predict you will be delighted with it as I was. All right. Uh, I have not seen it yet, but I will try to check it out. It's, it's shooting to the top of my list after this conversation. Nice. It's werewolves within it's Jeff Kanata's number four movie of 2021. Devendra, your number four movie of 2021. My number four film was Dune. What? Wow. I, I'm going to put this out there right now. My number four is also Dune. Hell yeah. Wow. So, this is synergy. Inter- synergy. Synergy, as Jeff used to say. It's good you're up, Birdie. Father wants you in full dress before the Emperor's hail drives. Full dress? Military? Ceremonial. Why do we have to go through all this when it's already been decided? Ceremony? Mm. Thank you. If you want it, make me give it to you. Use the voice. I just woke up. Give me the water. The glass can't hear you. Come on, me. Yeah, so Devendra, why is Dune your number four movie of 2021? I think mainly because it was it was the big screen spectacle I miss so much. Like so much of this film feels larger than life, and I'm very glad like we at least had like a safe period to see it in theaters. Um, yeah, I, I think Villeneuve basically does it again. Like when it comes to recreating or adapting science fiction, like it is a grounded film that feels genuinely lived in, but it's also fantastical. 
And I feel like true to the heart of the books too, from what I'm hearing, I haven't read the books, um, but it just feels like it feels like a big science fiction world, the sort of things that I just want to get lost in. And, you know, I just, I just loved it. Like it's really the experience of seeing it. If I had seen Dune at home on HBO max, like, you know, I probably, I probably would have liked it, but the sense of being overwhelmed by it um, and the like, the craft of how he established that world. Um, I have an interview over at Engadget with the sound designers about like the weird things they did to like make that world feel alive. Um, I think all that adds up to the experience of this just feeling like a, this isn't just like a movie. It feels like they actually went to an alien planet and shot these things. Mm. So yeah, I, I adored it. I cannot wait to watch it again. I'm very excited. I didn't get to see Dune in IMAX, unfortunately. I think when I was watching it, I, I had the thought, this is a sci-fi epic of an ambition and skill that we only get to see a few times per generation. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. only a few times in your lifetime you're going to see something of this scale attempted. Now, this movie tries to distill thousands of pages of text into a two-part movie. And I think it does it in pretty smart ways. It jettisons a ton of the stuff that's too complicated for a movie. And it, it focuses almost entirely on this kind of Game of Thrones-esque coming-of-age story that the protagonist Paul goes through. Um, but the world building is great, as you indicated, Devendra. And I, I just like, like how smart they were with the economy, right? Because they had to just a bridge a lot of stuff like how did the Bene Gesserit stuff work and like you know and I think they give you enough that you appreciate hey there's we're just at the tip of the iceberg here there's a whole universe to explore if you want to via the books we're going to give you just the essential pieces to give this narrative a propulsive energy mm -hmm. for the duration of this movie um, so while it loses a lot of the nuances of the book I think the main storyline is something that is really compelling. And I really am looking forward to part two, which is mm -hmm. supposed to come out in October, 2023. It so. is. It's really like the, uh, the phrase I hear sometimes in like film class is mise-en-scene, right? Mm -hmm. Like is the yeah. sense of like watching this and the, the world it creates. And, you know, these are big sets. Not all this was CG. Like this feels lived in, in a way. And I just, I kind of loved being in that world. Yeah. There were many iterations of my top 10 list with Dune on it. But ultimately, uh, it didn't make my my main list entirely because it feels like half a movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, mm -hmm. fair, I, fair. I think that you're going to do one of those like uh, Return of the King dealies where when the sequel comes out, you're finally <laughs> going to give it its due, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. probably a pretty good bet. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's Dune. It's our number four movie of the year, guys. Top three. It's getting exciting, boys. Here we go again. So many unique choices on the list. This again, I I really honestly think this most unique like just like variety on these lists uh, than, than any other year past. A little so. synergy in there. It was nice. Here we come. Number three. Jeff, your number three film of 2021. Come on, come on. Nice. I talked about this last week, I think, uh, in my uh, what I've been watching. Uh, this is just a, a lovely, heartwarming, beautiful, simple movie. Um, and, and it really is about... The fact that regardless of our age, all of us have conflict inside us. All of us have trouble inside us. All of us are, our, our inner lives are challenging and we all seek the same things. And that is love, acceptance, understanding. It's a beautiful, simple movie about all of that. And it's kind of about parenting as well. Mm -hmm. So it speaks to me um, in, in a very specific way. But I, I think it, it it works beyond that too. It's just sort of a general 
human vision of of what we all need. There, there isn't a great antagonist. There isn't a great problem to overcome. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a slice of life about how we all sort of just need need love, and we're all going through things inside. It's something that I think we can all be reminded of, especially now, that all of us, regardless of who we are, where we are, how much we have, we all have turmoil inside us, and we all are seeking the same things. Great choice, Jeff. It's the movie is Come On, Come On. Uh, I believe it's available for rent right now on video on it demand. It is, it is. I saw yeah. it this week too. And uh, for me, it really hit on the parenting side of things just because it, that is kind of the central thing, right? It yeah. is a a guy who's used to being on his own and being a loner and doing his own thing, having to accept another life and kind of learn like, oh, you you kind of have to, your life now revolves around this person because they're young and fragile and need your help. And uh, it, it really captures that wake up call of parenting. I guess if we're like, you know, if you've lived your life without a kid, it's, it's probably been pretty carefree. Like it's really about you maybe and your partner and a kid just completely changes the orbit of the solar system, you know, of your life. So it really captures that really well. All right. That's come on, come on. It's Jeff's number three movie of the year. Devinder Hardwar, your number three movie of the year. Here we go. My number three film is drive my car. Hmm. And yeah, I'm right there with you, Dave. Like, and also I'm a sucker for Haruki Murakami stories. So I do feel like his stories about basically loner guys uh, traveling <laughs> and trying to discover life and stuff. Uh, it, it just always has really spoken to me. Uh, this is like an Avengers Murakami story because it's actually not just one. Um, it's not just one of his uh, short stories. It's actually like elements from several that have been wrapped into one to tell the story. And I think the actual story is just like incredibly compelling, even though it's uh, it seems so simple, right? It's a guy loses his wife and then is really forced to reckon with um, her cheating on him, him never really confronting her and the regrets he has about that and their relationship together. I found it fascinating and precisely like what I want from a human centered story, because, again, it's not like there aren't even really villains here too. Um, there are people who wrong him and the way he goes about that, I think is uh really, really fascinating. And it is just such a, like a meditative, elegant story. The idea of doing something as simple as just like driving for very long distances, especially when you're dealing with grief and dealing with something like this, it just seems like, Man, that that is like as close to peace as we could get sometimes. So yeah, I, I love so much about this film. Great choice, Devendra. Drive my car, Devendra's number three movie of the year. Uh, and yeah, obviously, a movie I really loved as well. That's why it's on my top ten. Okay, my number three, guys. It's the last duel. Ooh, wow. <laughs> So, Jeff, why does that make you laugh? <laughs> I think that movie is terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yes. Oh yeah, so this is... because So Jeff texted me like a week or two ago. He's like, what are the movies I need to watch before our top 10 episode? And I'm like, I think that was one of the ones I recommended to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I suffered through two and a half hours of it. Uh, my wife and I watched it together. Neither of us understood what the... I mean, it, it, it's it's... And I don't again. Don't want to yuck your yum. Tell me why it's your number. Well, it's a, three it, movie after, of the after year. Yucking his yum. I will also say I saw this movie this week and I loved it. Oh, I, yeah. all right, good for you yeah. guys. Uh, for, first of all, I'm I'm surprised you trust me for my mass recommendation after the last duel went so badly. For <laughs> yeah, you, but I'm glad you did. 
Um, Ridley Scott still knows how to make an amazing medieval epic. This is a great one mm-hmm. that actually has something to say. The swords uh, go from clang, a craft perspective. For sure. It's amazing. Yeah. The 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 titular last duel, amazing. Ben I Affleck. And Ma- I will agree with that. The titular last duel is amazing. Yes. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon never been more hateable than in this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, you want out of I, I do Affleck feel like Affleck in this movie is just like he is like um pompous rock star <laughs> in a way. But like it is his his vibe is very is very hilarious, I say, like compared to like what these guys are doing. Uh I just think Matt Damon's whole look, like his the, look. Scar, the the scar on his face, the haircut, it's it's all just incredible. It's it's it, just, it, it, it all per- it tells you something too. We gotta review this movie right, at yes. some point. Yeah. And it's about, you know, I think the movie is about how, like, basically for a character like Jodie Comer's character in this movie, mm-hmm. she has to choose between shitty men or shittier men to deal with, right? Like, that's, right. that is her choice. And uh, I think this movie has it all. It's one of the first movies I saw when we were coming out of the Delta Surge in theaters. It reminded me why I love seeing movies like this on the big screen. But it's also a movie that uses its structure very purposefully. You know, we're living in the Me Too era right now where there are frequently different sides to any given story or accusation. And what this movie supposes is that in spite of all this, there can only be one truth. And I think that uh, people may perceive it differently, but that there is like Mm -hmm. one truth. And I think Mm -hmm. that uh, is really uh, powerful and interesting the way the movie does it. And so I really liked The Last Duel. Jeff. I'm, I want to give you a, a, a couple moments to at least tell me why you didn't like it, if that's cool. <laughs> oh, man. I, I So I, I guess people understand that it, it is the sort of Rashomon style, sort mm-hmm. of th- the yeah. same events three times from di- three different perspectives. And uh, as my wife and I were watching it and you, you, know, you, you spend the first two hours or an hour and a half of this movie watching the first two perspectives all you care about let's just get to the third perspective <laughs> like obvious obviously everything is just waiting for the third perspective and mm-hmm. the first two perspectives ain't that different you know and then the third perspective you're like okay here we go we're finally gonna this is what the movie is about is just getting mm-hmm. to this perspective mm-hmm. and then it isn't that different and and that that was my I mean like honestly wow. I, that, I I I'll just yeah. say I factually disagree with what we, you we just said. We definitely have to a, review this, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyway. whatever. I I just I, the the problem. I will say my wife thought this too, so I'm not being yeah, yeah. an asshole here. I you know I I, <laughs> I, I honestly think that uh, I I wasn't implying that. I was just saying I disagree empirically with what you're saying. Yeah, I understand, yeah. but yeah. Uh, obvious. I mean, it just it just felt so obvious it, it, I, I don't know i just felt it did, i didn't i didn't feel it justified the two and a half hour running time to get to literally like 15 minutes of interesting stuff and and then you know yeah i mean you definitely feel for her that you know the, mm-hmm. the the character of uh madeline what's her name um, something like that um anyway i it didn't work for me at, at any point I, I did not care Marguerite. about either of the men in this movie at all like they're bo- obviously they're both awful and obviously it was an awful time to be alive and obviously it was an awful time to be a woman and all, it was all awful and it was it's like okay well at least at the end maybe we'll get some nope it's just yep she, it was pretty shitty for her too <laughs> like i don't know it, it it just felt like an exercise in in futility for me and I, I didn't come away with a greater understanding of of any of it personally. well i appreciate you giving it a shot jeff i'm sorry it wasn't your thing yeah but 
It is my number three film of 2021. There you go. It's The Last Duel. It's available right now for rent or buy on video on demand. And Davinder, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. All right. Final two. Jeff Kanata, your number two film of 2021. The Worst Person in the World. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Which is, I think, a film with a really unfortunate title. <laughs> because I don't think that speaks to what this movie really is. Um, I mean, yeah. it, it, it is, this is a uh, really captivating, interesting look into uh, a, a, a woman in, what is it, Norway? I believe Norway. Uh, who is trying to find herself and bumping into people along the way. It has one of the most exquisite sort of first contact um, uh, courtship scenes that I have ever seen in my life. It, it, it is a movie that makes a fart erotic, which is a very <laughs> difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Wait, I cried all the time and I failed. Yeah. I once yeah. lauded uh, the, the movie, um, uh, um, oh God, my brain tonight. You know, I watched Mass today, so I've been a complete <laughs> wreck uh, all day. Um, uh, with the, what's the movie about the, the little girl that crawls out of the television? The Ring? The Ring. The ring. I once lauded The Ring. <laughs> How is this really tough? I don't know, I don't know why I didn't guess that. How are we getting here? Yeah. I once lauded, I once lauded <laughs> the ring for taking something that shouldn't be scary at all, i.e., horses, hmm. and making them terrifying. Horses are terrifying. Yeah, Jeff. I'm what? scared of horses by default, but that's okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I think horses are, are beautiful, elegant, majestic creatures. But uh-huh. the, when I watch the ring, it's like, oh, oh they're scary. Um, <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's what this movie does for farts. Like it's a, it's a, a fart shouldn't be erotic. But it somehow made a fart. Uh, this erotic uh, thing. I've got news for you, Jeff, about farts and uh, er- erotica. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess. Yeah. I guess like like Dave, I haven't watched enough lesbian porn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, uh, that was a callback. Anyway, <laughs> the worst person in the world, which evidently is me. Um, no, I think this movie is beautiful. It is so the the performances are wonderful. Uh, it transports you to a, a, another place, and it, it. I just love being along the ride with this this woman and her uh, sort of coming into her own, finding herself, figuring out what's important in life, uh, falling in love, falling out of love. It just feels like such a real look at being a young person and, and coming of age. Uh, not, I mean, not coming of age. That feels like you know she's fifteen, but it, like a young woman, a young person, like a you know twenty something becoming turning thirty. It, it, the worst person in the world just a wonderful wonderful movie i love this movie as well uh i think it's a great choice i'll have more to say about this movie oh wow momentarily <laughs> but you're talk about the farts because that's what i talked about <laughs> mm-hmm. i didn't want to step i don't want to step on all your content yeah but i i, I took the farts in the movie mm. <laughs> thanks jeff <laughs> this is jeff's number two davindra your number two movie of 2021 my number two film is the green knight I think for the longest time, this was my top film of the year. So it's actually been up there for a while. Wow. Uh, I think it's an incredible vehicle for Dev Patel to show off his stardom. I love how it explores the weirdness and mysticism of Arthurian legend. And at the end of the day, it's about something I think we can all relate to, sort of like The Worst Person in the World. They're very similar films, actually. It's about growing up 
growing up sucks and going on the quest of adulthood absolutely sucks. And uh, I think that's really relatable by everybody, but it's also a, uh, you know, it, it is a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful looking fantasy film with imagery that we haven't really seen. I think maybe since the Lord of the Rings films, or at least the Harry Potter movies, like it's just like big, bold, imaginative uh, fantasy. And I really appreciate that. I also really appreciate Dev Patel in this role. Um, yeah, I absolutely adore this movie. It's a great choice. It was definitely a contender for my top 10. It was, again, in, in my list, my working list of like top 10, uh, where I listed like 20, 30 movies and mm-hmm. it didn't make the cut. I, I think ultimately, guys, like I, I honestly <laughs> opted to choose mostly movies that didn't make that much money, you know, and The Green Knight actually did relatively well. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to choose movies that you probably didn't see. So you can yeah, check them you out. You want to choose something other than the uber popular fantasy hit. The Green Knight <laughs> that everybody has seen. Yeah. How about a night oh, just that's wait. not so okay, green? Okay, guys. Okay, guys. On that note, on that note, okay, you know, on that note of like me choosing <laughs> extremely obscure hipster movies. Yep. My number two movie of the year, Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow. No way. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it is. Really? Yes, it is. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's amazing. For the longest time. Spectacular. This was my number one movie of the year. Wow, Dave. Wow. It really depressed me that it was my number one movie of the year. Because I'm like, I I don't want this to be my number one movie of the year. Spider-Man No Way Home, it does not need my support. You know? (laughs) It is one of the most successful movies of all time. I'm taking (laughs) Spider-Man. I I know. Well, that's the thing. Is like, I can't, at the end of the day, I can't deny that this is the most fun I had in a movie theater this year. Right. This movie asks, what if the totality of all live action Spider-Man universes were all part of one big multiverse? How could we play around with that in a way that's actually interesting, satisfying from a storytelling perspective? This is one of those rare movies that improves on everything that came before. It redeems some of the terrible decisions that were made in previous Spider-Man films. And it kind of makes up for the fact that they have run this character through the ringer. But it's also (laughs) super fun. The jokes, the references, the nerdery. I loved it all. I marveled at the sheer ambition of bringing all these characters together. I laughed. I cried. I love that this movie celebrated Spider-Man and the love for that character. I just had a great time. So love it. Love at it. the end of the day, I couldn't deny <laughs> yeah. this is one of my favorite films of the year. You're not wow. just some Pacific Northwest hipster. You like Spider-Man, Look at that. Too. Yeah. yeah. It's great. And, and I will tell you, until this week, it was my number one movie of the year. So spins, it was uh, amazing. Spends yeah. eight slots on his list, just <laughs> wallowing in in <laughs> the drudgery of the world, the, yeah. the the doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. out the other side, he swings through the the skyline of New York City. Look at him go! Yep. It's, it's really all to justify Spider Man. That's what it is. Yeah, Dave yeah, had to build a exactly. cred for Spider Man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's right. right. I, I had to make sure you would take my opinion seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy that puts uh, all the all the cool records in his record collection, but only mm-hmm. plays, you know, whatever. Cold play. You know? Cold play. <laughs> <laughs> good, good pull. Yeah. All right, guys. Wow. We've come to it at last. Our number one films of twenty twenty one. This has been this has been a delight. It has, gentlemen. Yeah, it's been good. All right, I'm really interested. Let's get to it. Jeff Kanata, your number one film of twenty twenty one. Well, Dave. <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to happen. <laughs> I guess you could say 
My number one film is best summed up in the form of a limerick. All right, Jeff, let's hear it. My number one film amplified every feeling this year could provide. I'm glad to have seen this work of pure genius. My pick is Bo Burnham's Inside. Whoa. Excellent. Nice. Brilliant work. Very nice. Great choice. Wow, Jeff. Nicely done. Welcome to the internet. Come and take a seat. Would you like to see the news or any famous women's feet? There's no need to panic. This isn't a test. <laughs> Just nod or shake your head and we'll do the rest. Welcome to the internet. What would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur? Be happy, be horny, be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. Welcome to the internet. Put your cares aside. Here's a tip for straining pasta. Here's a nine-year-old who died. We got movies and doctors and fantasy sports and a bunch of colored pencil drawings of all the different characters in Harry Potter fucking each other. Welcome to the internet. Hold on to your socks because the random... There is no more 2021 film experience than Bo Burnham's Inside. When I look back on 2021, if someone says... Tell me one film that encapsulates what it was like to be alive in 2021. It is Bo Burnham's Inside. On top of that, it happens to be a work of genius. It happens to be a mind-bogglingly brilliant feat of just human effort. (laughs) One person in one location creating something beautiful it is inspiring it is hilarious it is captivating it i laughed i cried everything i could possibly want coming out of one human being it has music that is rousing and insightful and funny it it, it is it is a, a a commentary on our times it is fun I don't know what else you could ask for from something. And yet, and, and having it be one single human being's output added a layer for me of, you know, being impressed, being inspired, and just kind of showing what commitment to one goal can do for you. There is so much to talk about with Bo Burnham's inside, how he uses his own physical transformation over time to comment on things, how he transforms a single location into multiple locations, how he uses cinematography and camera work to expand this world, lighting and and music. It is a tour de force. It is, I believe, a work of genius. And there is no other movie or experience. I mean, some might say it's not a movie, but it was released in theaters. Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, there is no other film experience this year that I think better sums up the year that was for me. I mean, it came out in May, but yet it, it, it feels like mm-hmm. 2021 writ large. Bo Burnham's Inside. That's a great Sounds choice, like I should, uh, yeah. I should probably watch this thing, huh? Oh, you I haven't seen it? Like it. Oh, I guess man. people like it. Yeah. It is one of those things where it's like that one week. Like, I feel like a lot of new things get one week where everybody's talking about it on social media. And then I miss the week where everybody decided to watch it all at once. So it's like, yeah, just haven't had time I, to go I mean, back. I will I tell you that on TikTok, because I think I'm the person on this podcast that spends the most time <laughs> on TikTok, it, the reach of Inside is 
unbelievable. And yeah. what I mean by that is like, uh, no exaggeration, probably over a hundred million views of stuff on inside related. So, like people have taken those songs, they've lip synced to them, they've done dances to them, they've done animations and mm. 3D stuff. You know, like it has kind of defined a lot of online culture for me this year. Um, so like in a way that I think is actually against the message of the film in some ways, right? Like <laughs> I think like Bo Burnham like wants you to get off the internet in some ways, right? And so I mean uh, it's about his struggle with that, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. about all of our struggles with that, I think. And this this feeling uh, you know, this this being inside, being stuck inside, being stuck with ourselves, wrestling with our own our own motivations, our own uh, creative output or lack thereof, our own our own temptations to just fritter away time on the frivolous. It is about all of these things that matter a lot to me and resonate with me. Um, and I think resonate for all of us in this time in, in a lot of ways. It's it's a really beautiful work that I think will, you know, I, I would put it in a time capsule, truly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's amazing. All right. That's Jeff's number one. Great choice, Jeff. Bo Burnham's Inside on Netflix. Devinder Hardwar, your number one film of 2021. My number one film is The Matrix Resurrections. What? Whoa! <laughs> what? Wow! Uh oh. No. No, 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 no. Oh, whoa, no. whoa. What do you mean, no? You wanted this. You did this. This was your idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a test, an experiment. An experiment? You put me in a tiny model, left me to bang my head till I nearly lost my searching for you as an experiment. The exit's breaking down. He hasn't taken the pill. What? There's no time. I know, I know, he's, he's having a moment. Does he know how hard it was to hack that mirror? Still open. This, this i love this movie and honestly i wish i was a bit more eloquent during our review i think i was just super tired that day uh but after re-watching it a few times at this point it's it's really solidified my place uh it's really solidified itself as my favorite movie of 2021 it's a bold attempt at bringing this franchise back but i love how it wrestles with our expectations it comments on why we like the things we like and i think a lot of that is just really smart and interesting and at the end of the day Lana Wachowski made Before Sunset in The Matrix. And I gotta, you gotta respect that because I don't <laughs> think uh, we we didn't talk as much about just the conversations people have. And I think especially those coffee shop scenes between Neo and Trinity are, are fantastic writing. Just really fantastic writing about um, regret and missed opportunities and growing old, you know, and maybe your life not ending up the way you expected it to. I, I adored that about the movie. And I just love these characters. I love that it finally gives the ending to Trinity and, you know, that I think a lot of people actually wanted. And it also like makes good on ideas that the matrix trilogy itself just really couldn't like the idea of machines and uh, humans trying to live together in a certain sense. That's actually, it's actually kind of important because the machines were right. The machines were right all along. And to a certain extent, I also fear like we could we could be headed to something like that if it's not a climate disaster or a pandemic disaster or whatever else is going to like wipe out humanity. We have not proven ourselves to be like great stewards of civilization sometimes. And 
I at least like where things end up um, in this movie compared to the trilogy. So yeah, Matrix Matrix Resurrections. I loved it. I'm really glad that uh, people I care about uh, really enjoy this movie. You know, a lot lot of lot of uh, folks out there, uh, including yourself, Devendra, uh, really got a lot out of it. I'm sorry I wasn't one of those people, um, but it clearly is resonating with a lot of folks, and I'm happy about that. And I was talking to somebody about this this week, and I was like, you know, I. It's interesting that you said it before Sunrise in the Matrix universe, because I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I think I just w- really would have liked a movie about Thomas and Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. make yeah. that the whole movie. Like, the, I don't conversations, even need, yeah. I don't need yeah. all the other stuff. Just give me Thomas and Tiffany as a film. I would have been, I I would have been so cool. No disagreement here. But yeah, that's Devinger's number one movie of, the, is, uh, of 2021. It's The Matrix Resurrections. I gotta say, I could not have seen either of those coming. I'm just there you go. Out there. And I'm there also like now I'm shocked that like Spider Man didn't make any of your lists. Um, I thought That's you guys good. liked that movie. Anyway. I very much like that movie. Sure. Yeah. yeah. My number one film of 2021 is Nine Days. Wow. 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 Are you finished? Not yet. So. You want soap? No. Don't you get hungry? I'm like you. I don't get hungry, but I can eat. So why don't you eat? Because I don't get hungry. It's not really the point of eating. For me, it is. All right. Will? What's it like? What? Be alive. Maybe we'll find out. I, I will say this, Jeff. This is the movie that caused all the problems for us <laughs> because basically, yeah, it's an old. We, it's older. Yeah, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to like review movies that were released in 2021, right? And uh, and we used like IMDb as a as a rule of thumb for that. And this was the movie that unfortunately premiered at Sundance in 2020. Yeah. And then, but then didn't have any kind of public release beyond film festivals mm-hmm. until 2021. That also happened and, to The Disciple. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 So, uh, also, well, good, so anyway. I, I, I put it back on my list after we talked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. But as a result of our conversation, Jeff, I actually removed Worst Person in the World. Oh, my God. My that's hilarious. Because I was like, oh, well, you know, I've gone to the <laughs> trouble of like enforcing this rule on Jeff. And now to honor that, like, and the thing is, the worst person in the world was supposed to release in theaters this year, but then it got delayed because of mm-hmm. COVID. I think, my understanding at least, I'm not sure, but like, I remember seeing a trailer for it in like October. I, I and mm-hmm. I, yeah. I saw it on so many top. It, it's on IMDb as 2021, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very reasonable to put it on. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, point being, IMDb is not a reasonable release thing is i guess what i'm saying but all, I, basically jeff it's weird you know because there's some movies like i got sent worst person in the world as like a 2021 screener you know so they want me to they wanted you to consider it as part of 2021 but i don't think anyone can see it in the united states until like february of this year you know oh, so you're it's saying like, it's a 2022 movie i guess you know i don't know i, I don't know what should count and we will probably need to mm. have another conversation about this Cr- critics about have historically done that though like if you can see a movie even if it's not being released until the next year then it's fair yeah, but game. usually yeah. the thing is usually it'll be like limited release in like new york or la right but the right, thing right. is like they're not even necessarily doing that anymore because hmm. 
um, because of COVID, right? Because like movie schedules are so weird now. So anyway, regardless, um, Nine Days is the movie that like messed up my whole list and like the, our whole rules because this is a special <laughs> snowflake that like premiered at Sundance in 2020 and then didn't have any kind of release until 2021. Well, I feel but, bad that I made a stink about it because it's also on my list, obviously. And I, it's I, all good. Yeah, it's all good. I, I didn't mean to make give you uh, agita about that. I, I you were you were you were very reasonable. You want like a good resource, and I just think those those don't exist really. You know, yeah. like a good resource for saying like when a movie was released, especially but, you during know, this time. You know, worst person in the world. I feel like would would have been sort of like Nomadland was for me last year, mm. which is mm. it was on a bunch of people's top ten lists of the year. I didn't get a chance to see it before the end of the year. We yeah. reviewed it in February or something on the show. Of 2021, right? Of 2021. Yeah. Not yeah. a 2021 movie. Like, I maybe would have been on my list this year if we had considered it as a 2021 movie, but it was technically a 2020 movie, but it, I didn't have it on my 2020 list because I hadn't seen it yet. So it's like this weird, like, yeah, there's, know, a, there's these weird in between movies. Yeah. 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 So but anyway, anyway, it's all good. I think we just accept that this is part of the mess of making the top 10 list, but let's talk about nine days for a second. Yes. Now <laughs> I'm going to give away the premise of nine days. So if you don't want to hear the premise of nine days, skip ahead for a little bit, but nine days has a fantastical premise, which is what if you had nine days to audition for the privilege of being alive? That's the premise of the movie. The way it realizes the premise is really creative. I think, you know, it, it doesn't, Overexplain. Actually, arguably to its detriment, it doesn't overexplain. <laughs> I, I, um, I, would, I would even amend that to say it's not even an audition. It's more of an, a job interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think, like, in order to really love and embrace the film, you you kind of have to let go of trying to make too much sense of the premise because yeah. I think that there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really add up or isn't particularly satisfying if you take the premise like super seriously. Uh, but in my opinion, while the premise doesn't add up, the way the premise is realized is very creative. Um, the one of the main characters like watches other people's lives play out on TV screens, and they're all like on these cathode ray tube TVs. And I just think it's a brilliant choice because if they had done it like digitally or using like LG OLED screens or whatever, it would have like dated the movie in a way that isn't the case with the way that the premise is realized and there's a lot of other things like that that i won't reveal that are really well done as well and so i just think like yes the premise is kind of not super well explained but the way it's realized is really creative but beyond that thematically nine days makes you reflect on what it means to be human and on all the experiences that make up our lives and i'm gonna say this this is a movie that made me grateful to be alive and after the past couple of years we've had, that's actually a huge achievement. <laughs> so after the rest of your list, it's a huge achievement. <laughs> so that's why it's my number one movie of the year. It like makes you rethink life on a core level. And it's obviously also very concerned with like art and art, you know, that's true of a lot of the movies on my list, right? But like art and how it connects with life and um, and how it can enrich and transform one's life. And, you know, that stuff is all stuff I'm really, really interested in. Um, but there, there's sequences of this movie. I, I'm not even going to give them away. I don't want to give them away. I want you to be surprised by them. But there's sequences of the movie that are just like incredible where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that experience that way. Mm. I never have experienced that thing in that way before. Yeah. And it's breathtaking. Yeah, it's sort of about appreciating life. Uh, and, and 
The other thing I would say tonally, which is so interesting, is there is, I think, you could compile a subgenre of movies sort of in this thing, you know, defending your life, uh, you know, the Al Brooks movie, Albert Brooks movie. Um, there's, there's sort of those movies where it's like, I mean, even It's a Wonderful Life is kind of mm -hmm. in the same way of like, you've got to take a, a tally of the things that are important in your life and, you know, present them in a way to justify your, your existence. This movie, what is so interesting about it, I think, is that the person taking the tally isn't concerned with the things that traditionally in these movies they're concerned with. Mm -hmm. there's like a because of their experience there is a hardness and a the decisions that they make about what's important to justify your existence on this planet is so interesting and so powerful mm -hmm. uh, it, it is really a unique take on that concept uh that i found to be really insightful and really powerful because of how different because of it, it shifts your perspective uh, on on what pain does to a person what going through these you know what what tragedy does to a person um it, yeah it's it's a really compelling vision of that uh and 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 then of course you haven't even spoken about i think the last scene is just incredible yeah yeah so I hope people have a chance to check it out. And I'll say, I, I like Spider-Man No Way Home was number one on my list for weeks. Wow. I'm sitting there at home feeling awful about this <laughs> because it's like, am I really going to put the $1 billion yeah, movie as my you, number one you movie You put of the Coldplay year? on the top of your list, dude. That would be like putting like Avatar as number one or something like that, you know? Which I have done. And, uh, and I'm watching, I'm like desperately like binging all these movies, Card Counter and... House you you were just watching shit, like, something to shift uh, Spider-Man off. That's all I just, it was. I'm trying yeah. to watch something that is going to knock Spider-Man off the top. And you were like, That's let's so go funny. as depressing as we can. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. all the depressing stuff. Yes, you know, mass. Like, I'm just throwing anything at the problem. And then I watched Nine Days. I'm like, That's the one. That This is the one. This mm -hmm. is the one. And, Great. Uh, and I think you should all check it out. It's nine I'm days. Very, I'm very sad. I didn't get to see it yet. Like, it, it was one thing I was, I've been meaning to. And then after a certain point, I think it got to like, Friday or Saturday, I was like, I, I'm good. I have yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, I had the same thing. I'm like, yeah. same with I, me. I, I was like, am yeah. I really going to watch Nightmare Alley, the two and a half hour long Guillermo del Toro movie? And I, yeah. I wanted to, but I was just like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I've already done enough work for this. <laughs> the movie that you know? destroyed me was Last Duel. I was like, no, no more two and a half hour movies. Because <laughs> every other movie, like Benedetta, I was like all excited yeah. to watch Benedetta and uh, Harder They Fall. Like, But every one of them was like two and a half hours, two and a half hours, yeah, two and a half hours. I, I know. Like, I can't. Can't. Well, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of this year. What a year for movies. Yeah. What a year for movies. I think, that, as we've been saying, I think this this year's top 10 is is really, really interesting. It's very rich. Yeah. It's very rich with a lot of different things and a lot of depressing movies on my list, but some more, <laughs> some more happy movies on the other guy's list. And I think I said this last week, but I want to say it again. Thanks for sticking with the film cast over the course of 2021. Big year for us. First full year of the Patreon. We spun off and became the film cast um, from Slash Film Cast, and we're thankful for everyone who's come along for the ride. We really appreciate your support and looking forward to another interesting movie, a year of movies, 2022. So, yeah. Now, be sure to stick around for the After Dark, 
uh, to hear all of our special categories, honorable mentions, and other things like that. It's going to be interesting. And you will be one of the first people to hear that by subscribing to patreon.com slash filmpodcast at the uh, After Dark tier. Or actually, no, no, anyone uh, who subscribes to the Patreon is going to mm-hmm. get that episode early. We mm-hmm. will release that episode on the main feed as well later this week. So, And the After Dark tier is full of awesome episodes. Oh, my God. So you should check that Incredible. out. Incredible. I you mean, get a whole back catalog. Episode alone. Yeah, whole back catalog <laughs> of everything we've done. That's right. Um, hundreds. Over 100 episodes. Um, actually, no, that's not true. But over six. 100 episodes it's if you count the main ones. <laughs> At least 50. Um, yeah. Yeah. Over 50 episodes. Dozens, dozens and dozens of episodes. Okay. Uh, well, we got to start recording that episode momentarily. But first, I want to say you can find more episodes of this show at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen of Varsity Blue, currently of the midnight right now. Uh, our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs cutdown comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week on the show, we're going to make it a little chill, guys. We're going to be reviewing Don't Look Up. We've got a lot of stuff to cover and what we'll be watching as well. So that's going to be our conversation next week. Uh, and I'm just going to say, by the way, uh, I'm going to put this out there right now, is that like um, there are some major film releases in January, February time period, but I, I think we're probably going to try to keep it on video and demand. I think we're probably going to try to be staying out of theaters um, for the next few weeks just because of Omicron stuff. And so... Mm-hmm. I do just want to prepare people for that. That like, yeah, you know, I, so, I don't sorry know for all re- the scream fans. Yeah, who are really sorry for all the scream fans. I don't think we're gonna have a scream review on day one. I apologize, but um, I think you know this is just what we feel the most comfortable with right now, and we appreciate everyone's understanding and support uh, despite that. But all that said, don't look up. It's a movie that everyone can quote unquote watch. Number uh, <laughs> ten on my list, baby. From the safety of your home, own home, in, on Netflix, and it made Jeff Kanata's list. So. There you go. What what more recommendations do you need? (laughs) All right, folks. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.